what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.tv. My name is Alan and with me is Chris. Hello, podcast land. Chris, uh, I'm tired. I'm going ahead and throwing it right out there just because awesome. if I start kind of you know slurring a little bit or if you don't hear me talk for a long period of time, <laughs> I need to poke throw you with something a stick across something. the table, poke me with a stick, whatever it may be. Uh, you and I both been uh, quite busy this week, but yes. you know what? This is important for us to get together and to talk and to uh, talk about movies because we love talking about films and movies. And that's what we do right here at Foot Candle Films every time we get together. The format of the show is as follows. We have our reviews. We're actually going to review two films today. We're going to review the film Jackie about uh, Jackie Onassis, uh, Jackie Ona- Kennedy Onassis, and a caller after the assassination of her husband, uh, John F. Kennedy. Then we're going to talk about the film Split, the latest film from Mr. M. Night Shyamalan. Only one word title movie reviews this week. That's correct. That was our rule. We're going to do the two reviews. Then we're going to talk about a little bit of some movie news. Then we have a very special, exciting feature. It's it's that time of year, Chris. <laughs> 2016 officially buttoned up about yes. a month and a half ago. Right. We have to go back and recap the year with our best of 2016 and our worst of 2016. Fair so enough. that's going to come late in the episode. That's going to take the place of our recommendations today. Uh, so we've got a jam-packed, uh, full assortment of things to cover here in our show. Chris, I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. Regarding our two reviews that we're going to jump into here in a moment. Ooh. I believe okay. you and I are going to split. See what I did there? Yeah, I did. Split on both films today. That is my prediction. I believe you and I are going to have differing opinions in on both of the films that we talk about today. That's my prediction. On both. Now, I'll be the first to say, okay. I'm not very good at predictions. <laughs> Super Bowl, way off. Oscars every year, way off. I'm just not good at Presidential predictions. Presidential election. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty far <laughs> off on that one too. <laughs> so, Fair enough. So I'm just saying, I'm laying it out there, my initial predictions. Maybe I'll be wrong. I probably will be wrong. But how about you as a listener, stay tuned and see, am I right? Well, Chris and I split on our review of split and the film we're going to review first which is jackie people like to believe in fairy tales you ready of course and you i believe that the characters we read about on the page end up being more real than the men who stand beside us the film Jackie stars Natalie Portman as Jackie Jacqueline Kennedy. Uh, this is a story of uh, Miss Kennedy shortly after the time after her assassination of her husband, John F. Kennedy. 
The film is by director Pablo Lorraine, who is uh, from Chile. And I believe he also did the film No that we showed at our film society several years ago. He was the director for that film as well. Which I think, if you look in our back catalog somewhere, you can find us talking about it as well. We would have had a review of that. That's correct. So the film is told, uh, it's really right after the moments, but it's told in different time periods. You have her... Uh, some set pieces with her being interviewed for a magazine article that kind of frames the whole film. But then you've got scenes happening before the assassination. You've got scenes right afterwards. But it's all about her dealing with, obviously, the loss of her husband and the fact that her husband was the president of the United States and what kind of situation that now puts her into as an individual. Uh, this is a this is a, uh, a big acting performance for Natalie Portman. She did get nominated for Best Actress for this performance. The film, however, not really nominated for anything else at the Academy Awards. That is a little bit of a surprise because I think when the film was first announced, uh, you know, early last year and we heard about it, the trailer came out. I think this one was, everybody kind of thought this is probably where a lot of the awards are going to go to. And to kind of get to the end of the year and it's not really being recognized very heavily. I mean, it has original score and costume design. Okay. Other than A couple, but But no best picture, no best director, no screenplay, anything that I think people probably thought going in was going to be maybe a good candidate for. So Chris, I, I hate to hinge everything on Oscars and awards and nominate nominations, but you know, we are at that time of year. Sure. Did Jackie get robbed? I mean, did this film deserve to get more accolades here at the end of the year than it got? And along with that, I'm going to ask you the opposite. Miss Portman's performance. Did she deserve the singular focus of attention and accolades that the film is getting for her performance? Hmm. Okay, I'll do second question first. Okay. So this film, yeah, is noticeable for her performance. Right. Um, I, you know, did not grow up during that time period, but mm-hmm. I am aware of her. Who has not seen pictures of Jackie Kennedy? I mean, you know, right. you can't. It's just like she's – it's an iconic face and iconic, you know, outfits that she wore. It's just, you know, you just know it. You know, it's like – Unfortunately, it's kind of like Ronald McDonald. Everybody knows who that is. Everybody knows who Jackie mm-hmm. Kennedy is. Just, one, just like her husband. Both yeah. very, you know, big icons. Um, so she definitely, I mean, you can tell just don't even have to watch the movie. You just see the poster and you're like, wow, she, you know, number one thing, mm-hmm. you're going to be in a biopic movie. Can they make her look like it? Well, absolutely. It mm-hmm. looks like Jackie Kennedy. So got that down. Performance wise, I thought she did a good job. And interestingly enough, some of the things that I thought maybe were too actory mm-hmm. such as the accents and some of her hesitations and stuff that being not that familiar with the real person in real life i was kind of like oh you know i still think she did a good job i wonder if she was maybe overstaying her welcome in the accent department mm-hmm. or overstaying her welcome in the delivery department or how mm-hmm. she was nervy in some instances well after screening the movie my wife actually pulled up a youtube clip of the goodness knows two hours of her walking around the white house yeah. giving a tour and man, like if you're just comparing that alone, which is a big part in the movie too, you mentioned the bookends mm-hmm. or the framing device of an interview that this reporter is asking Jackie. Okay, yes, that's also a framing device. But this tour that she actually gave through the White House was one of the first time television cameras had been allowed and how she has to kind of showcase each room and state the reasons why they did certain things. Of course, that really happened. And comparing the YouTube version, which is the actual footage from that, I guess, television special is what it was, yeah. to what I saw in the movie, wow, pretty pretty freaky. Yeah. Um, so no, it's, it's so a, 
it's always tough for an actress to pull off or any actor, act, you know, anybody to play someone who is so well known and someone that you could go onto YouTube, like you said, and see them right. in real life. You know, it's not like Abraham Lincoln. We had our pictures of Abraham Lincoln. We were told what Abraham Lincoln was like, but sure. you could put your own spin on Abraham Lincoln. Jackie Kennedy. No, you pretty much anybody growing up at that time period, or even us who didn't, and can look back on it. There's so much out there. It's got to be a tough task. And I'll, to try and to I'll say that. this: you know, this is a movie based on you know who knows how many different accounts, who knows how many different writers and interview portions. But things were obviously changed to create a narrative for this film. Yeah. So, the interesting parts to me are the parts actually that we don't have something we can reference as Mm -hmm. like, you know, yes, fascinating performance wise. You can say it was Oscar worthy because you can compare the YouTube footage to Mm -hmm. the movie and you can say, yes, those were dead on. But where I think Portman was allowed to maybe put her own spin on Jackie Kennedy is the stuff where she's having private conversations Mm -hmm. with the interviewer. Yeah. You know, things like some of the things that were said were maybe versions of those were said to interviewers who mm-hmm. came and interviewed her right after the tragedy of her husband being assassinated and things she may or may not have said or how she was holding herself, you know, maybe slight exaggerations, but still it made for an interesting movie and I think heightened her performance. And I, yeah, I think she deserves all the accolades. Who knows if she'll win or not, but um, I think she definitely deserves to have been recognized for an Oscar. I'm with you on that. Okay. I think she was really, really good. Okay. And I do. So we're not splitting on that. We're not. Now to get back to your original question. Yes. Did this um, film get robbed for other, for more grander picture based organ uh, nominations? Yes, it did. You did so. Absolutely. So you like this? I did like this movie. Bam. Um, Okay, we're not split on this one. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Um, See, I'm already wrong. Predictions are already wrong. Well, you know, I've known you for a long time. And one of the, anybody who's listened to our show for a long time knows that one of the huge gripes we often have when we talk about biopics Mm -hmm. is they bite off too much of a chunk of time, which this movie did not do. Nope. It's like, assassination to a couple of days or maybe a week or so after, but not much more than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking a very limited time mm-hmm. frame of obviously this woman's a fascinating woman, fascinating figure in history. They could have started with the first time she met JFK up until they get married up until this, you know, they could have made it much more, you know, wide and broad, oh, but yeah. they didn't. Sure. It was no. a definite choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so there again, that's one of the harps we always have. This doesn't suffer from that. Yeah. I think even I was trying to think about what was the earliest time period this movie covered. And I think probably the earliest scene we had was the, it was a, it was a concert performance going on right? where they had a dance afterwards. Right. And I don't know if that was meant to be just days before his assassination, but it was like, that was the earliest we got. Right. And that was just a couple of scenes in the oh, film. Little and then everything after the latest we got was really what, two, three weeks after his death. See there, there again, me not being that good in history. I don't know how long that interview was yeah, after his assassination. I know that if I remember correctly from my wife, giving me the details on how things were accurate in the movie, Apparently, JFK was assassinated like three days before one of his son's birthdays, mm-hmm. and they still showed the birthday, the birthday party, which kind of happens yeah. later. So, them trying to give him a normal quote quote yeah. birthday party in the White House after this has happened. So, yeah, and that's one of the later events, kind of in the film. Well, so, not too long after, and even with the interview being held 
the whole her and Billy Crudup playing the interviewer, that framework of the film, I didn't get the sense that that was more than maybe a couple months after yeah. the assassination. That, maybe. That, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure. But either way, we're talking about a possibly as short as a three to four month time period total. Definitely compressed. Yeah. Definitely compressed. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like this film. I was mm-hmm. honestly surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And how well constructed I thought it was. Well, the the thing, and I I agree. I, I was I went in knowing I would probably like it, um, mm-hmm. just because I like Natalie Portman anyway. She'll mm-hmm. always be Queen Amidala to me. <laughs> um, but I, I like her anyway, and she's done some interesting movies. She didn't like get nominated for Queen Amidala. No, she didn't. Shockingly, <laughs> um, but I like her anyway. And this, the director, you know, you reference mm-hmm. no. Um, I think this is like. 10 times a better film than that was. Yes. Not that that was a bad film. No, but it was fine. I think the director has honed certain skills. Like in No, he used stock footage from mm-hmm. the time period that he was referencing in that film and blended the actors over top of it. And, you know, it was okay. It was good. But this uses that to even a greater effect with that whole White House tour idea. Well, I actually read about So the White House tour, the, just so everybody knows what we're talking about, there's a lot of references to her giving this tour of the White House, which was something that was televised at the time. Right. And it was truly Jackie Kennedy kind of walking through the White House and talking to a host about the changes she was making in the White House, what each room stood for, kind of the symbolism behind it. Supposedly, the director, Pablo Laurent, saw that and that's what got him excited about making this film i believe that yeah because he said just seeing her personality how she seems so unassured of herself i so nervous but the fact that she also spent several moments in the televised production talking about lincoln and lincoln's wife oh yeah and what happened after his assassination so he said that that's what locked him in and wanting to do this film right so this whole tour of the white house is truly like in five or six scenes throughout the film cutting away to different parts of it but i thought it was really well done interesting they actually brought out some old film cameras to shoot that footage because he wanted it to look Hmm. just like real footage at the time so a little bit of digital enhancement, but not a lot. Most of it was because they pulled out 1960s film cameras and shot them with that. Interesting. So, yeah. And I think, um, so if I were to say some things, I think the picture got robbed. I, director. Yeah. I think the I director agree. deserves notice. I think the cinematography actually deserves a lot of notice. And I'll say actually two unsung heroes. One, <laughs> one you can say is unsung because... Um, I, she, she's in a lot of the movie, but you don't notice her, but yet she's important. Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Greta Gerwig I'm is with kind you. of kicked She was butt. really good. Um, I don't remember what role she played like, as far as like what her character name was. Okay. Thank you, internet. Nancy Tuckerman is who Greta Gerwig yeah. was playing. Basically and she was like a assistant. confidant, yeah. an assistant mm-hmm. confidant to Jackie. She was amazing. And so much so, I wasn't sure if it was Greta Gerwig at mm, first. Like yeah. I didn't even think of it. And then I was like, wait, I think I know who that actress is. And then it was even more like, wait, that can't be Greta mm-hmm. Gerwig, can it? And then more and more, and I was like, no, good. that's, that's totally her. But, um, I think it's, and I didn't know that Greta Gerwig, I mean, I've always liked her in like Francis Ha and mm-hmm. Mistress America and stuff. I didn't think she was interested slash capable in doing something like this, where she is very toned down, very serious, mm, like yeah. not, and I just, Supporting performance, if I could give her, you know, I think best supporting nominated, maybe not win, but nominated because I thought it was very important to the Jackie character. I thought she was very good. And then sentimental, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where I'm going with this, mm-hmm. but still, yeah, makes the movie for me. Oh yeah, John Hurt. John Hurt. Man. Yeah, he plays a priest that Jackie confides to, and there again, that's where she's given time to be more human. Who knows if some of the stuff she said to the priest is accurate? It's more kind of behind the scenes. It's yeah. hypothesized. You don't know, but man. I know. Devastating and awesome. Well, I tell you, John Hurt, one of his last performances, obviously he just passed away a couple weeks ago. Um, Supposedly he's made several other films that are still being released. We'll see him for a while. This was not his last performance. First one I'd seen since he passed away. Post post his death, yeah. Um, I got a few others to name out actors. John Carroll Lynch as Lyndon Johnson I thought was awesome. I thought he was just Uh, great. So small role. I mean, just a few key scenes. It's a little caricatures to a degree, but I thought... I, he's a good actor anyway. I really like him a lot. You gonna pull out a Sars card? I think Sars card's good. He <laughs> okay. plays Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. There is a there is a moment of a scene of dialogue between he and Jackie in the White House after the assassination, just the two of them sitting down, where he's just lamenting the fact that oh, we got yeah. robbed. You yeah. know, basically he's like we basically say we got screwed because of all this stuff we could have done. We, everything we could have done and we didn't get a full term and we didn't get to build the dynasty off of this. You know, he even said like Vietnam War, Johnson's going to get credit for that. And little did he know. I mean, I don't think anybody wants the credit for the Vietnam War. <laughs> but, you know, that's the idea is that that's just like, oh, man, he's going to get civil rights. He's going to get this. He's going to get the space program. Right. You know, and uh, it's like, yeah, I mean, that, it sounds a little heartless to talk like that. But, yeah, they're basically, yeah, we got hosed. I mean, because of this un, a very, very tragic situation. And that's um, that's another thing, too. Whenever you talk about making a biopic. You run the risk of, I mean, obviously, this was a horrendous tragedy. Mm-hmm. In making a movie that's focusing on Jackie, you run the risk of maybe setting her too high up on a pedestal and not making her a real person and yeah. making her just a complete angel. And this this film did not do that. No, I mean, I, it, it I showed it her as somebody honest. who was obviously very sad and maybe some harsh things about her, but... Mm you could always see it through the lens of, yeah, but this is what she's just been through. No, so I, I didn't I've, think it, I thought it was a very fair picture and a very fair you know, look at Jackie yeah. and what she must've been going through. I, I'll tell you something with, you mentioned the director and the cinematography. This had, this had a little bit of a Terrence Malick feel to it. It's actually what <laughs> compared to the last couple Terrence Malick films that have come out. <laughs> This is probably the best Terrence Malick style film we've had in a few years. Well, let me see. This is a benefit. Alan and I, as listeners know, we often see this film together and then discuss it with our film mm-hmm. society right afterwards. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that this time. Alan and I were at different screenings with different nights with different uh, members. My immediate comment, you know, afterwards mm-hmm. we were talking about it. And I said, I feel like I've just watched a biopic done by Stanley Kubrick. Oh, yeah. And I the can reason, see that as well. The re- and mm-hmm. that is... A, People know who listen to the podcast. That's a big compliment because mm-hmm. I love Stanley Kubrick. And I'm saying that that's why I referenced the director and the cinematographer mm-hmm. should be, or cinematography should be recognized. So many shots in the white house were long tracking shots mm-hmm. or steady cam, like dolly type shots. And the hallways were vast and you know, they did all oh, these panning right. around right. corners. I felt like I was in the overlook hotel, Yeah, but I was in the white house. No, but I, I totally the, see it. And the, it was just so creepy. And even the setting up, you know, you always see security bodyguards standing two at a time. And the way they were framed in the frame, you would see them standing there. I felt like I was watching the two dead girls outside the elevator with the blood. Like yeah. there were so many references to me as well, being a big Kubrick fan that I felt like I was watching 
I, it was it was just well, you know the scene really that's odd. automatically coming to my mind now that you've mentioned Kubrick. Um, the scene where she is, uh, I guess I don't know if she's just come back from the funeral or something, but she plays the Camelot song on yes. the turntable. Yes, and she's wandering through the rooms. Yes, and that you're right. That had a very that, Kubrick. That's, that's feel a time to with it. a Kubrick. Yeah. yeah, it's just very disassociating. Yeah. Um, something that has been nominated for an Oscar, so it is getting mm-hmm. credit. Um, we haven't touched on it very much yet, but the score. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did want to talk to you about the score. I, I, the same person who did the score for this did the score for Under the Skin. Yeah. And I feel like I could definitely tell that. Oh, absolutely. And um, I liked it. Now, I yeah. will say at times it was kind of distracting, but it was it was good because it's what made it not a typical biopic. Oh, sure. No, it was definitely like it would be kind of non-traditional score for it. Yeah. Or really loud and in your face and jarring, but it kind of helped you realize as if you were Jackie and things were hitting you like they were hitting her. And it made you feel uneasy. The whole film kind of, which was surprising to me. Normally when you see like Lincoln, Mm -hmm. for example, it's very staid and you, you, yeah. you know, you know, he's going to get assassinated. You know, certain things are going to happen in this film. You go in knowing, yeah, I know what this film's about. It's a tragic event, but I was just very uneasy the whole time watching this movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to end. And I was still just going to have this, like, I need to take a shower. I feel very mm-hmm. uneasy. I liked the film, but it just yeah. really gave me kind of an ugly feeling. But the scenes with John Hurt mm-hmm. as the priest yeah. kind of let me, breathe and i was happy that they were there and then actually the way it ends because of their conversation you see jackie with her children and you're yeah. like oh everything's okay. gonna be okay yeah, yeah, so, you know, yeah. because the movie is dark because of the subject matter but it's not just like i just want to go crawl in a no. hole somewhere it actually had a very uh, uplifting spirit to it in, the, in the last 10 minutes too no it wasn't i didn't feel like it was over i had a couple of people in the screening wednesday night that we showed the film two nights in a row the Wednesday night crowd, some people thought that the ending was a little on the nose, a little to beat you over the head with optimism, happy. I didn't get that. I, I thought it was just the right touch. And um, uh, I did like, I think one of the very last scenes you see, she's driving, she's being uh, taken in the car and they're going through uh, Washington, D.C. downtown. And she looks out and there's an entire, it was just such a cool scene. Right. Entire store, department store windows are being populated with mannequins that are basically wearing clothes she would wear yeah it's like, like seeing her, her hairstyle oh absolutely so it's like they're still taking her image mm-hmm. and it's like they're building off of her image and she knows that's going to be something the, the whole film was very focused the story was focused on her managing the image mm-hmm. of her husband of her her family their dynasty even after his death you know just well, how does that continue and i i thought that was a really fun i don't want to say fun but it was just a a, a little bit of a playful way of kind of saying, okay, yeah, your image, it's going to continue on. And you've set a standard here that um, the rest of society is going to fall in line with. So um, I, I don't have any negatives for this film. No, I, I, I mean, I really, I really, I really thought it was either. great. Um, I, I, it was very I, atypical biopic. Yeah. And that means I liked it. So, well, and I, I, to kind of expand on my, you, you had your Stanley Kubrick. I had my, my Terrence Malick. Yeah, I see that the nonlinear format of it. The fact that the scene was the, the movie was more a collection of scenes than it was a story, mm-hmm. which is a very Kubrickian or very uh, Terrence Malick thing to be working with. It reminded me a lot of a Tree of Life at times. It was just mm, kind of cut away to like some different shots and different things that evoke some different emotions. 
And it's just fragments of scenes kind of stitched together in a very uneven way. At the end of the film, everything's fit together. But as you're watching it, you sometimes get a little disoriented, not always knowing where you are. But it's a lot of the movement. It's a lot of close-up on faces. It's just uh, beautiful shots all the way through. So, yeah, but I could totally see the the Kubrick influence as well. Um, I'll I'll, I'll be honest. I was very surprised. I I thought the film would be okay. I was not terribly looking forward to it. And Hmm. I actually thought it was a really, really good film. I'm actually disappointed it's not nominated for not nominated for Best Picture. I get, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised because something really? about how unusual it is. And no, I'm still. But that's what I want to be nominated for. Best oh, Picture. sure. You know, that's my thing. Is I look at it, I'm like, I haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge. Would I want this to be instead of Hacksaw Ridge? Yes, Probably so. Absolutely. Would I want this to be instead of um, what was another one that was on there um, that was surprising? Our Best Picture nomination. So it was another one that. I think we were both kind of surprised it was on there. Um, anyway, I, I, I wanted this to be nominated now that I've seen it. And I'm sure. a little disappointed it's not, or that the director's not. Sure. But I will tell you, Natalie Portman, I know there's some strong female performances in the uh, Best Actress category, but she's really good. She is really strong. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I think both supporting and uh, lead actress are both very strong this year. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they fall out. Well, okay, so I'm already wrong. I, <laughs> I, I honestly thought we were going to split, that I was going to walk away loving that movie and you were going to have some issues with it. But I'm really pleasantly surprised to hear that you liked it as much as you <laughs> did. So that's great. Good. This is one of the things, you're right, us not being in the same screenings of those two nights. Normally I can kind of pick up some vibes. This one right. I'm going in completely blind. I actually so. thought you were going to be a little negative on Jackie. Really? Told. Yeah, just because it didn't tell enough of a story. And no, I'm running I'm, running time. You know, it's two hours of, like you say, kind of disjointed wow. little scenes. I could have stuff, gone for so. longer, though. Yeah. So really, I, I just really liked it so much. So, okay. So let's change it up a little bit. And let's see if at least I got maybe half my prediction right about this film. Fair enough. Uh, let's move right into the second film, which is the latest from M. Night Shyamalan, writer and director of Split. What are we doing here? What the hell is going on? I was sent to get you for a reason. Open the door! There's a flower on the pillows, a flower in the bathroom. Like, we're important. The only chance we have is if all three of us go crazy on this guy. Who is that? Maybe she can help us. We're here! Help us! We're in here! Don't worry. He's not allowed to touch you. He knows what you're here for. He listens to me. Split. Leia Simbel, In Light Shyamalan. Plot synopsis is as follows. Three girls are kidnapped by a man with diagnosed 23 distinct personalities. Mm -hmm. They must try to escape before the apparent emergence of a frightful new 24th. Thank you, IMDb, for the succinct synopsis. Alan, hearing that synopsis, and you have seen the movie as well, M. Night Shyamalan, you can't talk about a film of his without (laughs) putting in the context of a discussion about Mr. Shyamalan's about him, his filmography, yeah, his, whole his body kind of, of roller coaster ride, everything. I have seen The Visit, which is his previous mm-hmm. film. Have you no, caught up with it? No, I had not. So you know, you're probably you know. So how did you? For, <laughs> this this is my first film post After Earth. Okay, wow. which which we did review bad. on this show. Which we did. I review. he went through a string of. I wasn't. I didn't think Lady in the Water was 
bad. I just didn't like it. But then the happening, I think per, for me, the happening was the film that's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. You know, just, <laughs> I have no interest anymore. This was horrible. Right. And then of course, hearing that his next two or three films were not any better review wise. I'm like, yeah, good. I'm, I picked the right time. It's almost like I own <laughs> stock and I'm like, when do I sell the stock or when do I need to make sure I, I, I hold on to it? I'm like, good. I felt like I sold the Shaman stock at the right time because it kept going downhill. So uh, I did not see the visit. Um, I know you gave a quick review of the show, yeah, like on your own on the side. Yeah. I think you were. You said it was okay. It was yeah. It was okay. You had like was, generally positive yeah. views. Towards we're talking it. about you know we'll just we'll just run through his filmography right quick. Yeah. The guy did you know the six six cents. Yep. Obviously, universally, pretty much adored, mm-hmm. loved. It was kind of his kickoff, his Mister Mister Twist ending that kind of won mm-hmm. him that title. So then he does Unbreakable Signs. You know, I think yeah. we both still favor Signs. Like I remember when Signs came out, Signs was the film. I was probably the most excited about Signs hmm. because I loved Unbreakable so much. Gotcha. I was so excited to see an alien movie with Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. And I was a little let down with the film. Neither of which at the time had gone off the deep end. No, Mel they were both kind of balancing in the normalcy zone for a little <laughs> right. while. Um, I was terribly excited about that film. Little let down when I saw it, but I still thought it was at least a good film. Right. And then we have, in order, The Village, Lady in the Water, The Happening. And then, you know, Alan had cashed in his chips and been <laughs> like, I'm done. Then we had Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Then After Earth, then The Visit. So, yes. And I skipped Last Airbender as well. That's like one of the few ones I haven't seen. I think I think basically The Happening hit his low point, and right. he stayed at his low point for like three films. <laughs> because I heard Last, Bender, Last Airbender was pretty bad. Right. And I know After Earth was really bad. So right. I think he just kind of floated at the bottom level there. So um, returning to Split. Yeah. Uh, just, you know... How do how do you feel? Do you feel like he's beginning to track up on the roller coaster, or do you feel like he's still, you know, just how do, oh, how do you feel about split? I thought it was pretty good. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I okay. uh, I have some issues. Okay, I have some things to talk about with it, but overall, I liked it. I thought it was kind of fun in a campy way. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if I had to kind of look at it going back to since we were talking his body of work. Sure. Um, I probably liked it just as much as I like Signs, which I thought Signs was pretty good. Um, it was not unbreakable. It was not Sixth Sense. It didn't hit those high points like the first two films. But I thought it brought back up to the level that I kind of had expected him to be at many years ago. Um, the film actually, to me, has a lot of similarities to Signs, which I can explain yeah. a little later. Yeah, it does. Um, but I thought it was good, and I'll tell you what I thought was good about it. Um, I thought the premise was fun, okay? Now, I know there's been some controversy. People, you know, kind of really upset about the display of mental illness, mental illness. and, and sure. all that, which I totally get. I totally get that, and I totally respect how people can be bothered by it. But if you can remove yourself from that equation, it's a fun, campy premise to just go overboard with, and he had fun with it. Um, so I liked the, I liked the, the, the tone of the film. I thought the whole first half of the film was really, really, really good. I do think it lost some steam for me in the the end. I thought the last 20 minutes was, it's not what I wanted out of that film at the end. Hmm. Um, 
but it was okay. It could have been, it could have been a lot worse, hmm. but I thought it was okay. I just was really let down at the end that it wasn't as strong an ending as I thought we got in the first half. Um, I mean, James McAvoy was really good. Yes. Let's talk I, about Mr. McAvoy. I, I, this movie could have gone off the rails <laughs> if it wasn't for a strong performance in that role. Obviously, he has to play. We don't see 23 different personalities. We maybe see seven, I well, think. you know, we, yeah. Seven or eight. Like sure. I mean, if we don't see them all. No. But we do see seven or eight of them. And uh, he was fascinating to watch. I just had a blast watching him. I, I actually the scenes that didn't have him involved were the scenes I did not like. Were in the least movie. interesting. And sure. when he does, again, we're not we're going to do some spoiler talk after this recording because there are a few things we need to cover spoiler wise. I will just say that when he he when he inhabits a certain personality in the latter twenty minutes of the film or so, that was like my least interesting part of his performance. It was all the other characters and all the other uh, things he was doing with the characters leading up to that was what was so much fun for me to watch. So I just I think he really got himself into the role. I think he probably saw this as his uh, Anthony Perkins psycho type role, you know, mm. just to kind of get to go really unhinged at times. Sure. And uh, he was really good. So I overall liked the movie. What do you, you think? I I liked the movie as well. Wow. I'm way um, off on predictions. Yeah, today, yeah I liked it as well. And. <sighs> Um, I feel like it is, you know, he's poor in night Shyamalan. He can't help himself from trying to do a twist ending. And he didn't do a twist ending. Well, he didn't. See, there's some, there's some distinctions. Except for something we'll go into a spoiler, which to me was his attempt at trying to do a twist ending. Yeah, but I don't see it as a twist. It was a interesting connection. Right. Which we'll get into later. Yeah, we can get into Um, But that to me was... Yeah. Um, but overall, I really liked it. And the thing that made me really like it, like you touched on, was James McAvoy. Mm. Um, his performance, because trying to do that many personalities, it could just get silly or cartoonish. And it never did. No. And what was even um, more fun to watch was when he would go to a psychologist and he was <laughs> like, you know, was he getting help? And they were trying to <laughs> diagnose him or trying to work with him. And you could see him slipping into different personalities, but not through some grand, like, you know, explosion or like manic moves or anything. No, it was just certain movements of his eyes or movements that slight little by things. And you're like, okay. And to be able to have that kind of restraint, but still, and just, just slight facial changes or shrugging of shoulders, just, man, there's so much stuff going on. There's a scene with the psychiatrist where he's actually playing one of his personalities pretending to be another one of the personalities and it's just awesome (laughs) it was like watching you're just oh yeah it was really good this is the best thing i've seen james mcavoy do and i think he's a good actor this just allowed him to just interesting you give it that accolade i said afterwards um my wife does not see movies like this Mm -hmm. (laughs) so afterwards she said well how was it i was like oh i liked it i'll tell you james mcavoy best thing i think i've seen him do oh yeah absolutely you know I'm not slamming him. I think he's done some good stuff, but he just, he really acted here. Right. I mean, he just like, yeah, I think it would be a shame, which, you know, you come out in January, you're probably not going to be remembered come Oscar time next mm-hmm. time, but he awarding could've. Anthony Hopkins for silence of the lambs. That was a good performance. Yeah. But the kind of like menace that he brought to that role and everything that got him that work, 
this, I think it's the same type show-stopping caliber performance. Yeah. It would be a shame if James McAvoy is not, not remembered. Now, other person in the film that I feel like is pretty good, I feel like yeah. she's good, Sure, is uh, Anna Taylor-Joy, who Absolutely. plays one of the three girls mm-hmm. that um, was kidnapped. Yeah. She was in The Witch, mm-hmm. and this is, I think, one of her next major roles after The Witch. Yes. And uh, I, I liked her. I thought no, she was I've got good. her on my likes as well. I thought she was really good. The two of them. Now, I will say, that's about where my accolades for acting stop with the two of them. Mm. Uh, granted, there's not that many other characters no, in the film. No, but, no. you know, uh, I, Betty Buckley, the psychiatrist, I thought, didn't really work as well for me. Uh, of course, Mr. Shyamalan had to show up in the comic oh, cameo. Man. I know that's a that's a. Uh, but you know the good thing, that's even a shrug. it was a groaner when I saw him on the screen. But at least he has men- gotten back to minimizing his roles in his films. True. Because there for a while, Lady in the Water, yeah, he basically was the hero of that film. <laughs> he was like the savior. He was almost like a god type character. This is true. At least here, he had a one minute throwaway cameo like a un, really unnecessary role needed thrown in so i'm okay if he's gonna do the whole hitchcock thing and make put himself in every film that's fine just have these little 30 second cameos and that's See, it don't do anything really sad more. about that yeah to me it was such a groaner yeah and i feel like it's his worst cameo yet which <laughs> you know it's one of his better films you know it's kind of yeah. returning to form he's getting better it was the visit was okay this is another step up from mm-hmm. the visit but yeah, cameo wise, it's like one of his worst ones. Man, it's yeah, it was terrible. really kind of pointless. It was just terrible, dumb. terrible. Um, the thing I had a problem with the film at times is is I, I think Shyamalan is great with ideas and concepts, and I do think he's a good director mm-hmm. because there were some shots and some ways using the camera I thought were really creative and very well done. Right. I still think he's got a problem with dialogue writing because there mm-hmm. are just moments in the film. Not the James McAvoy character. No. But I think the the psychiatrist, I think even the girls, the three girls in the film, it was so um, on-the-nose dialogue at times. It was so cliche dialogue. Mm-hmm. It was clumsy. There were so many moments where I kind of even rolled my eyes a little bit. It's like, oh, I can't believe they just said that. So again, it's like I almost feel like he let him develop the ideas, let him direct the film, but get somebody else to come in and write dialogue, dialogue for him. I think the dialogue in a lot of the places could have been so much stronger. Um, I felt like so much was just being explained to us at times. Well, and that was part of the overwriting. Sure. Um, the whole the whole dynamics of how his personalities work, I thought was fascinating. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we had to have that completely spelled out to us, like in a dialogue. It's like, don't tell me how this works. Let me figure it out. Because I could have figured it out by the end of the film if you just kind of let it go naturally. Sure. You know, the whole idea of supposedly these personalities are, you know, in a room and someone gets control at a certain time and how that works. I'm fascinated by that. Just don't sit there and tell me like, well, this is what happens. It's (laughs) like, you know, I know what happens in your head and it goes like this, 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 and this. It's like, oh, no, don't tell me, you know, just let me me, me see it. Don't kill the wonder. Right. So it's just a few moments like that that I thought were just really clumsy and overwritten or or the just way too ex- expository on the on the writing. Um but I liked what he was doing directing wise, you know, and I think obviously if he he got a great performance out of McAvoy, whether Shyamalan's to to thank for that or whether it was just McAvoy kind of being able to go and do his own thing. I don't know, but um most of the film really worked from the writing and, and everything else standpoint. Um 
I will say um, the coda, and again, we will not spoil it. We'll talk about it after the film. The coda, the, the last scene that happens after the title comes up on the screen. You think the film's over. Mm-hmm. Then there's one scene that comes up that does change. This is important. Okay. And I'll say why this is important. Without spoiling anything. Without spoiling. Because the, the issues I had with the last 20 minutes of the film, if it had not been for that CODA scene, I would really still have a lot of issues with the last 20, 30 minutes of this movie. This is the exact... Okay, you're right. We're splitting on this. Okay. I see where you're going. The CODA... The CODA makes me appreciate the last 20 minutes more. Complete opposite. Really? Yep. You think it ruined we, it? We can argue about... Or not... We can... Yes. I... No, no, I'll take, but I'll, I'll, maybe I don't I know think, if we're, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're thinking, we're thinking in the same lines or not. I thought the last 20 minutes started to go into a place that I felt was breaking with the rest of the film and that I felt like this sense of what I thought was some degree of realism throughout the film. We lost some of that with the last 20 minutes because a character emerges that yeah, I know this is I, tough. I, I, no, it's I, t- no, I, I get what you're saying, and I, it's the completely without going into spoilers. It's the completely different reaction for me. Okay, all right. Yep. Well, we'll need to address this afterwards. Yeah. Um, just understand, people wondering out there, there's not a Shyamalan twist in that all of a sudden the whole movie changes necessarily. I don't feel like there is the reason I feel like this film is a lot like Signs. It's because you've got these this this one major plot line going on, but then you've got this other little side plot line, and you come to find out how those plot lines in Shyamalan's head converge at the end to make like but for a grand revelation. That's every film he's and ever I, done. Exactly. Sixth Sense. That's True. the Village. But the thing is, is, is this is the most similar to Signs because it was very to me very very just okay. Let's take this very heightened, dramatic, uh, scary situation. But then come to find out the last scene, oh, because this person had this and this per- and this has happened, this has now like resolved it. And I didn't like that. Oh, I, I man. thought I thought it was I'm, you're talking about like the yeah, scene we're where we're split. where we're split on you're talking <laughs> about the scene where the two main leads are confronting each other at the very last moment Absolutely. and their their issue is resolved quickly because of a yes. realization yes. that they have. Yes. See, I almost and felt I also like, I I felt like that was coming, and it didn't bother me that I felt like that was coming. No, I'm I'm nope. Yep, we're split on this. Say so, so. We both liked the movie. We both liked we the movie. We are just split on how the ending came together. We're split on at what point we think Shyamalan should have stopped, or oh. how? Yeah, yeah. No, we'll, we'll spoilers. Okay, we'll, we'll get to it. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. Yes. I, overall, I liked the movie. I had I fun too. with it. Um. I, I have some, I have a few misgivings with it. I've already mentioned. I think some of the writing was was still clumsy. I, I think I think Shyamalan's redeeming himself a lot, but I don't think he's he's not all the way redeemed in my book. And if he can get past the writing, the dialogue writing, because I think the Sixth Sense. I still I watched it just a couple months ago. The Sixth Sense is an extremely well written film. Unbreakable is an extremely well written film. Signs starts to go off the off the path a little bit, and then it. It just kind of dropped. I, I don't know if his writing is back up to where it was with Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, but his directing absolutely is. His directing was really good in Split. So 
I'm just, you know, he's almost there. He is almost, he has almost redeemed himself for the last three or four movies with this one movie. If he puts out one more movie for me, that's this as good as, <laughs> as much fun as this. Yeah, he's, he's done. I won't, I will never even reference his bad period anymore of films. Wow. I, I would give him okay. full credit. He's 75% redeemed in my book now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we will talk about this film a little bit more after our we close the show. Yeah, so after the end credits music, if you want to hear spoilers, stick around. If not, shut the show off. And when we say spoilers, yeah, we're totally going to talk about oh, this yeah. movie. We're going to ruin it if you haven't seen yes. it. So, or if you like to ruin it. I mean, has our, has our recording intern, has he? have you seen the movie? No. Do you no. want to be spoiled? I mean, do you care? You don't care? Okay. Okay, good. He's, saying, he, he's shrugging his shoulders. Computer. I'm assuming that means that we can talk about it and we don't have to worry about ruining his cin- cinematic experience at any point. So, all right. And you're welcome to leave the room if you want to leave. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's saying he's fine. All right. So that's Split, which we are not split on as a movie. Just the ending. Just the ending. And we will talk about the ending after the uh, credits are done for this show. Okay, man. I'm way off today. I really but thought. But you were right. We I still really did thought, Split. I thought you were going to hate Split. And I thought you were going to think Jackie was just, eh, whatever. But the fact that you really enjoyed both films, and I did too, that's great. So we're good. Okay. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back from break, we're going to do a couple of news items. And then we're going to build up to the thing that you guys have all been waiting for. I know it's the big buzz all around online social media. Everybody wants to know what are Alan and Chris's favorite films of 2016. Well, they're best of 16. We've heard everybody else's. Why haven't we? We heard always theirs? wait till the last one because we feel that's like right. you know we kind of need to put the final the final bow on. We're the saving year. the best for last. We are, and that's, uh, that's what we're going to do. Chris and I are going <laughs> to list out our top five favorite films of 2016. We're also going to mention our one worst film we saw in 2016 and also some surprises we had from the year as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Man. Yeah. No, no, I'm happy. I am happy. (laughs) I'm looking forward to talking about the ending. But overall, if the ending is the only part you and I split on, I still think that's uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, just, it's McAvoy. Exactly. I mean. Now, granted, I still love, I, I, when, when I'm going to say this, I love the concept of multiple personality disorder. I, I know it's a disorder, and I don't make light of it, I, see, but I'm fascinated by I it. I feel like people, the representation of the split personalities in this movie is, I think they actually give you an out to say that they're not making fun of it, they're not taking advantage yeah. of it. Because it's such a heightened version of yeah, what's real. I, it's, and actually the psychiatrist, even though you can vary on her acting abilities, some of the things she says and like yeah. the conference she had. Like, she was like, really no, playing this it is up. a problem. He's just, this, is, this is just uh, an extremely just, bad case right. of so it. So. I, I felt like they no, were as even. I think it's probably a lot of overreaction. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I understand why the point needs to be made. And yeah. it's not like but you're But to demonizing. me, multiple personalities are fascinating. And they are. So when I, that's why I was so driven to this movie. And I'm always fascinated to see if Shyamalan's going to like really screw up or not. So, <laughs> so those two things alone were make me interesting. But yeah, as soon as I saw McAvoy start performing, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in. This kid's totally in. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder: you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. 
Welcome back to Fuck Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv. I'm Alan. Over there, as I point, is Chris. <laughs> and uh, you just heard us talk about the films Split and Jackie, which, shock of shocks, we both really liked both films. Uh, we will talk about Split's ending after the uh, end of this show. But we're going to go into some news in just a moment. But before I do, I do just want to remind everybody, you're listening to the show on The Mesh. The Mesh is a podcast network. You may say, what is a podcast? I just found this this show playing on a web page. I don't know what you're talking about. A podcast is the idea of a recorded show, whether it's audio or video. Of course, this is an audio program that you can listen to on demand and you, more importantly, can subscribe to. The idea is that if you find a show kind of like a TV show and you set your DVR and say, I want you to record every time this show comes on. Well, podcasts is every time we put out a new episode, if you have subscribed to that podcast, you're going to get that episode sent to you automatically. You don't have to go look for it. You don't have to go find it online somewhere. It's just going to be pushed to whatever program you use to listen to your podcast. If you have an iPhone, there is a podcast app on the phone where you can subscribe to shows. And every time you open up your podcast app, there's a queue of episodes waiting to listen to that are, uh, have just been released. So this is a podcast for Candle Films. The Mesh.TV has a whole bunch of other podcasts. You can pick and choose the ones you like, subscribe to them, or you can just listen to single episodes at a time. Either way is fine. The great thing is it's all free. Um, it's all available online, either through our website at TheMesh.TV, or you can go to Apple iTunes Store and just do a search for any of our shows. If you do a search for Foot Candle, you will find our show on iTunes, and you can subscribe to it right there. So we do encourage you to check it out and let us know what you think of the network. At the end of the show, we'll give you a couple ways that you can reach out to us and contact us if you have a question or need anything. But again, thanks for listening. So Chris, why don't we move into some movie news here? Okay. I think you got a couple items you want to share with us, so I will let you take it away. What's your first news item for us? It seems like for a while, every show had to have at least one Marvel Universe piece of news yes. or Star Wars piece of news. Yes. Uh, this is neither of those. Okay. But recently we have kind of gotten on the trend of a Denis Villeneuve <laughs> update. So Yeah, you know what? We talk about him a lot. Yeah. I mean, I mean just because he's been involved in some good movies that we've reviewed the last few years. And it seems like his name's been batted around with a couple of projects. Right. We talked about Blade Runner yep. coming up 2048 that he directed. So surely he can't be involved or thinking about getting involved with another sci-fi uh, franchise of any type. Well, you would think, but according to the interwebs, mm-hmm. not yet approved by IMDb. So who knew? But I've seen a couple different places. Supposedly he is going to direct a Dune reboot. Dune? Dune. As in D-U-N-E, Dune. As in the one David Lynch was like yeah. one and done, didn't even put his name on the movie. Wow. Dune. Yeah, and they I don't also know if this did, will have Sting in it or not, but uh, yeah. And Dune now they did do a new version of Dune. I don't know how many years ago it was. It was as a TV series. Yeah, okay. wasn't it a TV series? Was it like on Sci-Fi or something? Maybe. Yeah, uh, I never yeah. saw it. Never saw it. And then there was the whole documentary that came out about another person who had worked on a new version of Dune that never actually got never. produced. Right. So Dune is still pretty much in our vernacular here in the sci-fi world. But you're saying they're talking to Villeneuve about him about directing it, about him directing it. And I think helping to write it as well. Now, just um, for background, so everybody in case this is your first time listening, or you're maybe not familiar with these names. So what we're talking about is that the uh, individual who directed most recently arrival, nominated which is for best picture, nominated for best picture. Is he nominated for best director? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember don't either. Remember. 
Um, he did that before he did that. He did Sicario. Mm-hmm. He did um, Enemy. Right. And he did Prisoners. Right. All four films have been discussed on the show. Absolutely. All four of them with positive reviews. Yeah. And I've gone on record saying he's one of my most interesting directors to be following right now. I saw Arrival a second time last week. I How watched it with up? the family. Oh, great. Really? Actually, it was. I liked it the first time. I loved it the second time. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I think knowing. Some of the misgivings about some of the things maybe you didn't have the second time. Yep. Okay. Uh, I thought the second viewing was great. So hmm. it actually elevated the status of that film quite a bit for me. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm on board. I was never a Dune fan. Okay. I saw I remember seeing the movie. I remember falling asleep in the movie. I just <laughs> it just did not grab me. It was slow. It was, you know, just a lot it was confusing. It mm-hmm. was very drawn out. Um but hey, I'm I'm all for it if he wants to give it a whirl. I, Why I, not? Yeah, I I Liked the Dune movie, but I wasn't the hugest fan. I didn't want to watch it over and over again. Of course, I love David Lynch, but I think the movie got away from him. Yeah. Um, if anybody, you know, obviously he's done Arrival. He's doing Blade Runner. Um, I think they're finishing up Blade Runner right now because it's supposed to be released this year. I think he has a knack for sci-fi. Yeah. And uh, even Enemy, you could say, was maybe kind of sci-fi like, because <laughs> it was like doppelgangers yeah. and giant spiders. Um, so... Yeah, I think if if anybody could make Dune work, it could probably be this dude. So I'm I'm interested to see what he does with it. Yeah, I thought he was actually attached or, or, or batted around for like an alien movie at one point too, like actual alien franchise movie that didn't go forward. But I think at some point he was talked about with that too. It might might have been, might have been. I bet you right now any of these sci-fi franchises are just like, oh, well, I wonder if this guy'd be interested in helping make this <laughs> or not. See. So let's see. Yeah. I, I count me on board. I'm excited. That would be that would be interesting. So, not a reboot, but a remake is the next item, and it's one of those deals where a foreign film comes out, does really well, and then American filmmakers say, "Hey, why don't we make an American version of this, and we'll make tons of money." So, the movie Tony Erdman. Oh, and that was the one uh, nominated for best foreign picture just two weeks ago. Right, and you know interesting it's like three hour running time or almost three hour running time yeah so really long um and it plays off a relationship between a father and his daughter and the father apparently is a bit of a freako i have not seen the movie yet mm-hmm. but and they have kind of an antagonistic relationship apparently mm-hmm. in the film you know there's it's drama drama but they do have some elements of comedy in there from yeah. what i understand so in the reboot that they're having i don't think they've announced a director but in the male father role, they're going to have Jack Nicholson. Hmm. And in the female role, they're going to have Kristen Wiig. How do you feel about that, Alan? Well, it, it's tough for me to say since I have not seen the original. Sure. You know, I, I, I can't sit here and say, oh, though, they shouldn't make an American version of it. Because I haven't seen the other one. Maybe it does warrant having a a version that maybe American audiences could relate more to. Maybe it Maybe there is value in getting it down to what will probably be, be 110 minutes long just to, for American <laughs> audiences. Right. You know, again, I haven't seen the film. Does it warrant a three-hour running time? And if it does, then I don't want to see it shortened. If it doesn't warrant the three-hour running time, if it seems like it's really stretched out and spending a lot of time it shouldn't, then I'm always for finding ways to button it up a little bit. So I, yeah, I, I really want to see the three-hour version. Yeah, me too. Um, I've heard really good things. One of the things that interests me about it, too, is that there are some really long takes and it's like awkward situations in those long takes, which makes it even more awkward. 
but the places that it goes are really kind of surprising as mm-hmm. far as me. It would concern me that in this eventual American remake that they are doing, that they would trim it down and it would be more of a typical comedy, mm-hmm. you know, more of a Hollywood version of like father and son learning how to get along. And they would really kind of just soften up the edges of what made the original so awesome, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a typical Hollywood remake thing to do. But I do like Kristen Wiig. Had seen a lot from Jack Nicholson lately. Um, so, and depending on who they get to direct it, could be interesting. So I'll no, probably I mean, check it out, but I definitely want to see. It makes me want to actually. The thing is, it makes me want to. I was makes me want to see the original one even more. Well, I the fact that they it, so quickly right came out and announced an American version being produced when this film just got nominated and probably just got on the on the tip of the tongue for a lot of uh, American audiences just hearing it for the first time on that list for it to immediately be said, "Oh, we're going to make an American version." Yeah, There's they're, they're, be they're not even it. waiting like four or five years. Yeah. No, this is like. Immediate. Yeah. Well, you know, Jack Nicholson, it's kind of in that Robert De Niro phase where it's like, I don't, first off, Jack Nicholson isn't just doing every movie that comes his way different Correct. than De Niro. Choosy. I think he did one a few years ago. It was like a, some sort of romantic comedy or some sort of family comedy. I don't even remember the name of it. It was very forgettable. Sure. And I think everybody kind of assumed that was his last film because I think he did that one. He did um, The Bucket List with Morgan Freeman. Right. And then I think. That's really been like the only two films he's done the last. The last one that I remember that got a lot of acclaim was The Departed. The Departed. Yeah. Um, so now, if this film can kind of send him out with a last big film that actually gets some acclaim and has a really good performance by him, I think that'd be good. That would be good for him to be kind of a little more remembered for a final role with that. Sure. If he truly is kind of stepping away from acting and not doing a lot anymore, something it's a it's a rule I wish De Niro would figure out. It's just. Pick pick that one big role. Pick that one big thing well, and, and play and focus on that. And let that be your last role, you know? And unfortunately, this is that wraps up this news story, but kind of following off that, I'm sad that the comedian wasn't that for Robert De Niro. Yeah, and seen, I haven't seen the comedian. I haven't either. It has come out and it's just really getting slammed. It was kind of this aging comedian who tries to like revamp his act and all that kind of stuff. That would have been awesome. Kind if it of was playing a good off movie. De Niro's earlier role, King of comedy, like this guy yeah. trying to become a comedian. And he's like struggling and kind of a crazy person, but you know, I don't know. It just seemed like this could have been that role for Robert. De Niro. And maybe that's what he was hoping it would be. And it just didn't work out just that way. Work. So I agree with you. I, I kind of want to see these guys end their acting career with a really great powerhouse performance that people will remember and kind of forget about all the, dirty grandpas or bad grandpas or whatever <laughs> films right. you know De Niro's been doing so right. Tony Erdman so you're talking uh, uh, who'd you say was uh, tapped Jack, to play him Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson and, and Kristen Wiig Kristen Wiig right which I like Kristen Wiig yeah um, I still think she's a little one note so I kind of want to see her do something a little different but we'll see what happens with it okay yeah and I think yeah well, we'll see. Yeah, I think from what I understand of Tony Erdman, I think this could be a really good role for her as well. All right, cool. So, so Chris, it's that time. It's top five time. Top. It's the big. It's this is it. This is like the big dun, stuff dun, dun. every year. And we've done this show for several years now. Yeah, we have always kind of recapped our year. We we have talked about our favorite films from the year. We have talked about maybe the one worst film we saw. We don't like to play a whole lot of. The, I don't like doing the five worst or trying ten to bring worst. the positive. Like, you know, yeah, we'll definitely positive. do more positive, but we got to hit one bad sure. film. Sure, that was probably our low point for the year, and then uh, two other things we'll describe. We'll describe also our biggest surprise 
a film that we maybe did not have huge expectations for, but really, really uh, exceeded them. And then we've got one that maybe we consider our bigger disappointment, a film that we had hoped would do some really great things and just didn't. So that's what we're going to get into now. So Chris, as it is our best of the year, spectacular here. Let's do this in grand fashion. Okay. We got five to one, five, four, three, two, one. We're going to count up to our favorite film of the year. Okay. And how about let's start with number five. Would you like to go first and tell us what your number five film of the year was? Well, actually, before that, do you want to do some honorable mentions first? No, I'll do those after. You want to do those after? I think those would be a good idea. Great. We'll do those after. after. So then what is your number five film of the year? Right before I give you number five, of course, I have to give you disclaimers. Okay. So um, the way I formed this list was ideally I've seen all these movies more than once. And with an exception of one film on this top five, that is true. I have seen all these films more than once. Um, So that way it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I love this film. And then, you know, 10 months later, oh, yeah, I guess I like that film. So that'll be in my top five. No, it's like I know that I've liked it because I've watched it at least twice. There again, holds true except for one film. You know what? I'm actually in the same situation. My five, I've seen four of the five twice. Okay. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Good. So uh, coming in at number five, which it is one of the ones I've seen twice, uh, is Swiss Army Man. Ah, Okay. So that's the uh, Daniel Radcliffe uh, farting, farting corpse, corpse movie. Yeah, farting yes, corpse that's movie. Just the easiest. That's way what I'm actually making the note of. I'm saying yeah. farting corpse uh, movie. By the directing duo Daniels, mm-hmm. and um, I, t- I think I, I did recommend it on this you show. Did. It was one of my recommendations. Yeah. So go back to that show and listen to me talk about it a little bit more. But um, I liked the film, and on rewatch, I liked it. So uh, more people, I think, need to see it. Which that may be kind of a theme for mm-hmm. my top five. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Swiss Army Man, number five. Right. So you kind of went with a, a very uh, unique film with an interesting vision right. right off the bat, number five there. So, huh. See, I, I expected that one to be higher for you. So now I'm curious well, where, right, where the other four right. are. Okay. Well, and you know, top this five is, list, you know, it can be kind of arbitrary. It could change day by day. It's basically how I woke up this morning. <laughs> felt, so, yeah. But yeah. Okay, Swiss Army Man is Chris's number five. Uh, my number five, we just talked about it a moment ago. It is Arrival. Um, okay. Arrival is my number five seen it twice uh before the second viewing i it was still in my top 10 but i don't think it would have made my top five after the second viewing yeah it's it's creeped up if i see it again it may have even gone gone higher up who knows um so arrival i just think is a really well done sci-fi film um yes some people say that then maybe if you really think too hard about the the kind of the the conceit of the film late in the film, maybe it doesn't hold up as well. I actually believe that's opposite. I think actually watching it a second time, it holds up even more Interesting. the way the film is, is structured and it's beautiful to look at. I mean, just, I still think Villeneuve has just a beautiful eye for how things need to look on the screen. I don't know who the cinematographer was necessarily. Mm-hmm. Obviously he would be need to be the one to getting the credit, but Villeneuve has obviously is kind of pushing things in the right direction to make sure this work comes together. True. I just, I really liked Arrival and it uh, was actually a more emotional watch the second time I saw it too, which was interesting. Hmm. So first okay. time I was watching it technically second time I watched it more emotionally. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a, it's a really good movie. Okay. Really good. Very happy to see it nominated for best picture. It is nominated for best uh, director. I did look oh, that up a check. second ago. Okay. Yep. Best awesome. director as well. So great. What's your number four film? So my number four is the only film I've seen once. Okay. Um, but I remember really liking it and it did help that the people that I saw it with also really liked it. Actually guy told me it was like his most favorite film of the year recently. 
uh, Hell or High Water. Oh, right. It is nominated for Best Picture. Doesn't stand a snowball's chance in hell of winning. Yep. Um, but, and I think that may be the only thing that film is nominated for, maybe mm-hmm. other than like possibly an original screenplay. Jeff Bridges is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Supporting, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, that to me speaks you know, how good the movie is because it doesn't get a lot of acting. Well, it got one acting award apparently, but it's like it doesn't get all these nominations, but yet it's thrown up there for best picture. Yeah. So, so in other words, like, the complete okay. package kind Somehow of just worked. Somehow really worked. Right, yeah. Um, I really liked Hell or High Water. I only saw it once, but uh, Jeff Bridges is great in it. Um, and I will say Chris Pine is also really good. You know, I've never really cared about him one way or the other as Captain Kirk, but yeah. uh, he's really good in this. Uh, ben Foster, also really good. The end, some of the end scenes between Bridges and Pine, actually the end scene is one of the best of the year. Wow. Um, Without spoiling anything, it's just really some, you talk about really well-written dialogue and well-acted dialogue. It's it's great. So uh, it's right. also nominated for best film editing for just huh. for, just okay. for so best supporting that, actor but... editing and best picture. <laughs> so, but you're right. It doesn't have any. Uh, it doesn't. It's not bringing a lot of weight with it. But to be elevated to best picture, obviously, all the pieces kind of just work for the film and yeah. uh, puts it in a good spot. So that's right. my number four. What's yours? Um, I know it's not on your list, but it, is, <laughs> oh, it did make mine. Can't wait to hear what it is. It's La La Land. Uh, <sighs> it's. I have a I have a soft spot. It's the one film I have only seen one time. Okay. Will it hold up a second time? I don't know. I still listen to the soundtrack. Will you fall asleep a second time? <laughs> no. uh, I, I listen to the soundtrack. I still recollect certain scenes and moments from the film. I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. I did go in with some pretty lofty expectations, and I felt like they were met. So I think that kind of helped with my satisfaction of the film. If I come out a little disappointed, it may not be in my top five, even if I felt like it was the fourth best film of the year. Just, I think it just kind of, it matched for me. It worked. Um, music is something that kind of creeps into a lot of my favorite film choices every year. And this is one that obviously was guided by the music. I did, it did work for me. Emma Stone, I thought was really, really good. She won't win best actress. I don't think she should win best actress, but I thought she was really good. And I thought she really kind of carried the whole musical conceit of the film really well. So I, I enjoyed La La Land. Okay. okay. Um, what you got for number three? So somehow... I don't know how, but the top three movies yeah. I have all seen three times. I don't know how that I don't know how that's wow. worked. Okay, yeah, because yeah, um, I thought I'd only seen it, but through Letterboxd, thank you. Yeah. Letterboxd, like apparently, I think I've watched these movies three times. Mm. Um, my number three mm-hmm. is my only documentary, and usually I do have documentaries. Seems like I usually do pick one to be mm. in my top five movies of the year, mm. um, and this year it's Tower. Uh, we've t- I think we talked about it on the show. Maybe? We did. We reviewed it um, after our film festival okay. because it was one of the featured films at our festival. It did win Best Documentary at our festival. And we this did. You and I reviewed it, I think, along with the fits, okay. kind of capping off the, the uh, film festival. Yeah. So go back and listen to a previous show yeah. if you want to hear me talk more about The Tower. It's now widely available on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- it did screen recently on public television, but that's probably yeah. come and gone. Um, you may be able to see it online for free. I don't know. Um, but um, Tower, really unique rotoscoping animation approach towards doing live footage or actual footage over with rotoscoping animation. Just innovative, interesting story. Takes a turn that I didn't really expect towards mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. Um, can't say enough about it, but Tower, my number three. 
I will hold on my comments on that one for a little bit. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. All right. So Towers, your number three. Yes. My number three is Moonlight. Oh. Um, I saw it twice, both nights of our film screening. It was a film that I, I really had a lot of work to do, and I should not have stayed and watched it the second time. But, <laughs> but once the film started, anyway. I'm like, nope, I'm watching this again. Okay. Um, and it's one that's grown with me the more I've thought about it. After, the, after watching the film, I'm like, yeah, I liked it. But it didn't really grab me. Um, it's it's more of like after I just kind of sit and let it settle with me for a few days afterwards. I'm like, wow, yeah, I really appreciate the film. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the, what got me for this film, not only is the acting top to bottom just amazing in it, but it's just the authenticity of it in the defying our preconceived societal expectations. The film just does a great job of kind of playing against those types, playing against what we assume. And we hear an inner city, um, uh, you know, uh, poor um, uh, kid growing up that has a you know, drug addicted mother and all this. You're just like, okay, I can already visually pick out what this movie is going to show me and what it's going to tell me. And it didn't do those things. It actually right. played against a lot of those expectations. Plus, it's just a beautiful film to look at. Very meticulously crafted. I still think the supporting actor for uh, Mahershala Ali, I still think he ought to win Best Supporting Actor. I think he was okay. amazing in the film. Um, yeah, so Moonlight. Moonlight is my number three. Okay. Um, my number two, supposedly there again, I've seen it three times, I think, um, is the other film that we have apparently reviewed on the show was also mm. part of our Foot Candle Film Festival. It is The Fits. Okay. Um, I, you know... Liked the movie the first time I saw it. Liked it the second time. My third and final time I saw it was with my daughter at mm-hmm. our film festival. Mm-hmm. The discussion that we had following the movie with the audience was amazing. And then yep. the discussion I had with my daughter on the way home that night was even more amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just so, you know, the experience of that one helped push it probably up my list a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, The Fits is my number two. Awesome. That's great. I, I it, it did not make my top five, but... It's probably batting around the top 10 somewhere uh, there because I did appreciate the film quite a bit. And you're right. I, I think the experience we had with our film festival screening and the discussion just really, really probably elevated a little bit in my mind as well, too. Uh, so my number two is Tower. Okay. Um, it was by far the best documentary I saw last year and um, just an amazing feat to put together the way they did. Um, the use of the rotoscoping, the use of the reenactment scenes, the fact that the documentary, even though it was detailing of such a heinous act, never spent any time addressing the person that was responsible for causing this havoc. In other words, never gave him any credit. Never, you know, which I think sometimes, you know, crime can get sort of uh, glorified in some films. It could be almost heightened where you learn more or care more about the villain than you do the heroes. And this movie was had none of that. Basically, I think you maybe heard the villain, the the uh, shooter's name one time. You never saw a picture of him, right? Which I thought was amazing. And I, uh, it's a it's a film about about courage, and it's a film about hope, and it's a film about heroes uh, that we don't hear about. And but not uh, in an overly um, sentimental way. You know, no, no, the no. Heroes, it's not putting them up on a pedestal. It's just no. saying average people, normal people, and not yeah. Yeah. interesting the way it does it. I just, I watching it with my son, ah. my 14 year old son, we watched it at the film festival together and we talked about it a lot. And even though it was a harrowing watch and it's a tough film to watch at times and it's 
frightening to watch. The fact that you come away with just a kind of a renewed spirit and humanity in a way, I just thought was was beautiful. So that's my number two. Okay. All right. We're at the number one films. Yeah. Because I have no idea what your number one film is. See, I don't have any idea what your number one film is either. Yeah. Well, as soon as I say it, you're gonna you'll be like, oh yeah. I See, forgot. I wonder if it's the same film as mine because neither obviously neither one of us has mentioned it yet. Um, if it's not your number one, I don't think it will be, but surely it'll be an honorable mention. Okay. Um, so, uh, number one film is The Lobster. Is that a 2016 film? Are we considering okay. that 2016? Okay. It uh, was released overseas in 2015, but it is a, for a, the United I, States, it's a 2016. I totally overlooked it because I was assuming a 2015. Oh, and the no. reason I say that I know is, or I can justify that, is because this year for the Oscars, it's best screenplay. It's in the writing category for the Oscars. And they do like, yeah, tw- true. so for the 2017 Oscars, See? they do the 2016. Oh. So that's how I knew, even though I think in Letterboxd, it's listed as 2015. See, I went totally it didn't, come um, to the, it didn't come to the oh. States until 20. That's okay. It's an honorable mention. Yeah, um, it definitely <laughs> is an honorable mention. And honestly, if I were to go back and insert it where it would be, it might be be two or three. Wow. Yeah, no, I love The Lobster. Absolutely. Oh, I'm, I'm just, the yeah. only reason I haven't mentioned it is because I of a technicality. That's <laughs> it, so. Yeah, so The Lobster's my number one. So, um, yeah. I, yeah, really like that film. And uh, it's just, it kind of is right where my brand of humor is, is how that movie goes. But it's more than just being a stupid comedy because it's not that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's Lobster's. Is my number one. See, yeah, I, I, I list. I, I'm looking back right now, and I had it. I listed it in kind of a film ratings in 2015. 15. So that's why I don't have it here. Gotcha. It would be definitely in the top three to four of this year for okay. me. Um, no, I love the lobster too, and actually, it's one that the first time I saw it, I liked it. Um, it would have maybe have been a top twenty in the year. Saw it again second time, and mm-hmm. it shot back up immediately because. It, and it's one of those I've thought more and more about. I actually went back and watched. Uh, I had not seen any any other of the films that uh, uh, Lathamos had done. Oh, really? Before The Lobster. You didn't, hadn't seen Dogtooth? I hadn't, but I have now. Okay. I went back and watched Dogtooth, and it. I didn't like it as much as Lobster, but it gave me a lot of appreciation for the director. I, I started to really see some commonalities and themes that he was going for, and it worked really well, so... Okay, cool. That's a great pick. I'm glad the lobster is getting some love because <laughs> I was just happy to see it nominated for something in the Oscars, but sure. um, we would have loved to see it a little bit more. Now, my number one, and it's all nostalgia, and it's all just makes me feel good. Rogue is, One? No. Oh. Sing Street. Sing uh, Street's my favorite film of 2016. Okay. I just, just love it. I mean, it's just a fun film. It's got a good heart. I mean, the music's good. I just... It's, it's a personal just enjoyment. I'm not going to say it's the best crafted film of 2016. I'm not going to say it's got the best cinematography or the best direction or whatever. It's just it's just a film that makes me happy. So I've seen it like three times. <laughs> Fair enough. And, um, you know, as I'm looking through the whole list of films, it's like it was kind of batting around in the top ten. I'm just like, yeah, it's there from a quali- from a quality and from a technical standpoint. I'm like, but, you know, I just... I, I don't feel right not saying it's my favorite film of the year because it is the one I will be more likely to watch again over and over again. Okay. So that's that's it, Sing Street. Um, Honorable mentions? Yeah, well, real quick, let's just kind of recap because we got a nice mix of films here for people to, to, to keep in mind. So we've got 
Arrival and Swiss Army Man, La La Land and Hell or High Water, Moonlight and Tower, and then we've got Tower mentioned by me again and The Fits, and we got Sing Street and The Lobster. So about that's like like nine films, right? Nine films that we are now telling you, plenty of great films to go check out and see as well. So let's do our honorable mentions. These are ones that just didn't make the top five, but we still feel like ought to get a little love, a little recognition for being some of the best films we saw in 2016. And I can go first now if you want me to. I'll just hit the ones I've got, and then you okay, can hit sure, yours. Sure. Um, so I will say Hunt for the Wilder People is an oh, honorable mention for me. Okay. I had a lot of fun with that film. Uh, you say the director's name because I'll butcher it. <laughs> Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. There you go. Uh, I just, I had a lot of fun. That was a fun movie. And it, again, kind of uh, trying to do a little bit of something unique and different that isn't like every other film out there. And I liked. Uh, Wiener, the Anthony Wiener documentary is an honorable mention for me. Uh, It probably would have been my favorite documentary of the year if Tower hadn't come along. Um, I just, I love political documentaries anyway. I love the nature of politics and kind of the, the, bewildering spectacle of it in this film just puts you right thick in the middle of it. Um, I'm so proud of myself that I did not put any franchise movies or big blockbuster movies up on the list, but I will say from my honorable mention, I do think Captain America civil war hmm. is a really fun movie. Hmm. Um, it's probably one of the better Marvel movies to come out since they've started making movies and uh, it's one that I also have found myself kind of going back and watching certain scenes in the past several months. So okay. I will say that one. The last uh, one is only because uh, we just I just saw it this week. But Jackie, uh, if Jackie is considered a 2016 film, it is now one of my honorable mentions. And uh, uh, if I saw it a second time, could it have crept up in the top five? Uh, maybe it's very close. So I do think it was worth. Uh, it's it's definitely worth in that conversation. Okay, yeah, I, I, Jackie had totally slipped my mind because I actually tried to prep for the show and I just saw Jackie last yeah, night. So it was the yeah, same way. Totally yeah. not in my wheelhouse, but yeah, my honorable mentions, I would definitely consider Jackie to be one yeah. of those. The other two you've already talked about, um, mm-hmm. Major List did make mine, but just cut short, Arrival and Moonlight. Okay, yeah. Both of those I would have, you know, they're, they're good. It didn't quite make it, but on any given day they could probably sneak in. Sure. Last film that's an honorable mention, mm-hmm. I recall liking... I'm pretty sure a good bit more than you did. Um, you thought it was okay, but really disliked the ending. Um, is a midnight special? No, um, I didn't. No, no, I didn't dislike the ending. Um, I was okay with the film. I liked okay. the film. Um, I wasn't over the moon about it, but I liked it. Yeah, I was. I and that's now a lot of people I think don't like the ending. Right. I thought the ending was okay. Um, and that's one of the ones I did see twice, um, and okay. I did like it, and I made sure I liked it the second night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just missed my top. Five. I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and play my review. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't like the ending. I I I don't seem to recall not liking the ending. Okay. But I could I could be wrong. Maybe it, when I saw it, maybe I didn't. Um, <laughs> that one I considered for honorable mention. It came really close, but I think I probably went in with a higher expectation for the film just because it was Jeff Nichols doing kind of a a little bit more of an eighties sci fi kind of unique uh, throwback story and. It just didn't come together as nicely as I would have liked, but that's not to say I didn't like. I liked the film. I just I didn't love it. Sure. So yeah. Well, okay, cool. So some a little bit of overlap in our list. Definitely Moonlight and uh, Tower 
and Arrival seem to be ones that we both kind of have some shared passion for. Right. The Lobster would be on that list as well if uh, I wasn't sub- subject to the uh, technicality rules on the years, according <laughs> to Letterboxd. Sure. So that's, that's great. Okay, so that's our best films of the year. Yes. We're not going to dwell on the worst, but we do have to name our one worst film. And this is like the film that came out in 2016 that we saw, like each of us saw and can honestly just look back and say, yep, that was, that was not, that was not fun. That was not a good movie. So, (laughs) um, Chris, I'll let you go first on this one. Okay. So, um, there again, cheating, but not cheating. Uh, this film came out in 2016 and if my son would have had his way, we would have gone to go see it on opening weekend. But we didn't, and I put it off, and I put it off. So it was actually 2017, barely, when I saw it. It was in early January, but I gave in. And I took my son to see Assassin's Creed, Mm. and I fell asleep. Mm. Not once, but maybe twice. And it was just kind of like nodding off, but still. Action movie starring Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard and Jeremy Irons and Brendan Gleeson. If I'm dozing off in you... (laughs) There's a problem, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that that should not be. You shouldn't be dozing off anytime you pay ten bucks to go see a movie in a movie theater because you're wasting your money. But when you have those kind of talented actors, no. you have material that you know has made millions of dollars for the video games. Like they've got this storyline. It's not like they're coming. No, they've they've got an established storyline. Something something happened, um, and man, was it bad. Um, yes. Yeah, so without a doubt, this jumps to mind as the worst film wow. for me of 2016. Now, pretty tough competition because Angry Birds, the movie, which my son mm. also dragged me to, was terrible, but it wasn't this bad. Wow. Um, X-Men Apocalypse, bad, but not this bad. See, so, I, I, I have not seen any of those three films. So Good for you. I know. So <laughs> you have now successfully kept me away from even considering any of them. Whew. Um, and I think that's part of what makes a bad movie is when it has so much going f- that should be going for it. Right. And it doesn't. Right. Because, I mean, again, I'm a big Michael Fassbender fan. Me too. But, um, that's what gave me hope. Because I'd seen oh, the reviews. I'd yeah. seen the reviews. And it was like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. I'm like, well, but it's got Michael Fassbender. So it's a mindless action movie. Big deal. My son wants to go see it. I'm sure it'll be the dreaded word, fine. I'm yeah. sure it'll be fine. Oh, no. It was, it was horrible. <laughs> well, here's what's, what's kind of funny. So, obviously, it's continuing this trend of video game adaptations not doing anything good in the box office. So, Michael Fassbender, isn't he in a... I don't really follow celebrity gossip, but isn't he in a relationship with Alicia Vikander? Uh, maybe, I, I think. I think they are. I, I think, think they are a couple. They were that light between the oceans yeah, or whatever they were in that. Yeah, time. but I think they're like a couple, if, okay. I'm, if I'm correct. Okay. And again, I don't really care, but... <laughs> I think that's the deal. What I just thought was funny is that she is. She saw starring. this movie and then now she's like, yeah, she's Dude, gone. She's I'm like, gone. I'm like, I can't take you anymore. I, I can't deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is in a. She's gonna. She's the star of Tomb Raider. They're making a new Tomb Raider movie. What? Alicia Vikander is the star taking oh. over for what uh, um, uh, Angelina Jolie used to do. So it's like, okay, uh. could could it be that this? Very Oscar like nominated, like worthy acting couple are both going to star in really bad terrible, video game terrible. adaptations, you know. So oh, it's kind of funny. Well, it'd be hard for her to do worse with Tomb Raider, no. but it could happen. I no, guess. anything could happen. Oh, man. All right. So my worst is probably when we did the review, when I did the review for this film, or we did the review for this film, it's probably the one I just ranted on the most because I just thought it was stupid. Now, 
did we review we reviewed this on the show yes huh i'm curious did i also like it or hate it you 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 did not have quite the vitriol for it that i did but (laughs) uh, you didn't like it okay i'm curious to hear what it is so it's now you see me too oh wow that movie was bad okay um i didn't like the first one but i really hated the second (laughs) one i just Right. It's a movie that insulted my intelligence okay. every step of the way. And it's also one that if it was a, a, a small budget with a bunch of no-name actors doing it, I'm like, eh, it's not very good, but whatever. But it's like Woody Harrelson, um, Daniel Ratcliffe, Mark Ruffalo, um, uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. I'm like, come on. And you have just created a movie that every single scene, Morgan I'm saying, Freeman, yeah, Morgan Freeman, Michael yeah, yeah. I'm like, Every single scene, you are putting together a scenario that makes no sense. Oh, yeah. I, I, it, it, it's honestly just playing the audience for chumps. It's like, hey, we're magicians and we can make these elaborate multi-million dollar extravaganzas happen in hours. And we can have the entire city of London all be part of our trick with just a few hours of notification. How do we do it? It's magic. You know, it's just, it's so <laughs> bad. It's just the writing, everything. I think it's just the contempt of it all. Just like they know we can just, we can just do we this want. and we can just all equate everything to magic and the audience will love it and they'll buy a ticket to the movie and we'll all walk away with a good payday. So that's, yeah. See, I don't ever want to see that movie. Again. I fought myself because it's proof on Letterboxd. I saw the original mm-hmm. and was fooled into thinking it was good. Yep. I rewatched it and saw that it wasn't. Yes. And then I, you know, it was okay, but okay at best, maybe, but probably less than that. And we, my kids wanted to see it in prep for the new one that came out. So then I was locked into having to go see the second one. And I agree, it was, it was bad. But I didn't fall asleep on like Assassin's Creed. Mm. So, but yeah, that I, I agree. wish I'd fallen asleep. I should have like <laughs> taken something to help me sleep a little bit better during the movie. I think I was just more bewildered, just like, really? They really just did this. They really just tried to explain this away by this. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, anyway, so yeah, now you see me too. You and I both picked films that's just high profile actors, good actors, just making a movie for a payday that right. just did not work. So, all right. Now let's let's flip it up and let's go. Uh, actually, I tell you what, let's stay on the negative zone a little bit. Okay. Okay. We have both our biggest best surprise and our disappointment. Let's do disappointments first. We can end on a positive with surprise. Is that okay? okay? So for this, I actually have the same movie. Uh, Oh, your disappointment (laughs) is also um, Assassin's Creed? No, 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 no. Oh. No, no, no. It's. Oh, it's the same movie. It's a combination of surprise. Well. But surprised that it's not as bad as what I thought it was. Okay, well, I know exactly what movie you're. I know exactly what movie you're going to do. Then let's do that last because I think you and I may be on the same page with that. Okay. So let me let me let me just say this. Um, Okay, I'm trying to figure how we can how we can blend this together. I'll tell you what. Then let me do my my surprise. Sure. Because it's unique. Okay. Okay. My my biggest surprise movie, and it's I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going with a really small movie that I didn't know anything about and just came away really really liking. Okay. And that's the Phenom. The uh, movie with uh, uh, Noah Bushell's uh, film about a rookie pitcher who kind of loses his focus and has to start seeing a psychiatrist to kind of help him get through. Well, I'll piggyback on that because okay. I remember if you go back, we reviewed it on the show. It was the only movie we reviewed on that show, I believe. Yeah. It was a single review of it. Um, you were the one who brought it up. You mm-hmm. recommended it. I was like, ah, baseball, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. And yeah, 
expectations were extremely low and I was the same way. I, at the time, unfortunately, as you see, it did not meet my top mm-hmm. five, but I was like, it was one of the best things I'd seen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good, really good movie. Johnny Simmons plays the, the, the pitcher. You got Paul Giamatti as a psychiatrist and Ethan Hawke, really good performance oh, by yeah. Ethan Hawke as a, as is a Agreed. verbally abusive father. And, uh, it's, it's a much more complex movie. Well, not complex. It's just a much more intimate movie. Very little baseball in the movie for it to be a baseball movie. This is true. Um, but it was a really nice surprise because it's just one of those we found on, on iTunes. We needed something to review. And the, the, the uh, Rotten Tomato score was really high on it, like in the mm-hmm. 90-something. We're like, oh, we'll give it a shot. And I was very, very surprised, very pleasantly surprised at how good it was. Okay. Agreed. All right, so let's just kind of talk then disappointments. But your disappointment was also a surprise. I know exactly which film you're going to be describing. Mine is – I've got it listed as a disappointment – even though, like you, I came away thinking it was better than maybe the what the rest of the world was saying about it. Okay. Yeah, I definitely think we're talking about the same film here. I don't know. You go first. I'm going to make you go first. Batman versus Superman? No. No? Different movie. Different Man. Movie. Okay. Well, you haven't, I don't think you've seen the movie that I'm going to say. Yet. Okay. Well, I'll tell you. Batman versus Superman was a disappointment for me. Um, however. Same page. However. I think you and I both went on record as saying it's better than what the reviewers are saying oh, online yeah. and people saying it's like a tragedy or whatever. It was still a, not a good movie. To compare, they were saying it was X-Men Apocalypse, okay. and it wasn't. Yeah. You know, it, it was better than that. You know? Not perfect. Uh, my thing is, Batman. Ver- I guess that's, the reason I have it listed as a disappointment is just... I just want DC to get its crap together. You yeah, know, why can't it's they like, make a good movie? You've got some of the best-known characters in pop culture history... You've got all like talented people around you. Yeah. What are you doing? You know, why can you not get these <laughs> movies right? So it's know. like when you announce the film, it's like, oh, that really sounds interesting. Then they said Zack Snyder was directing it. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. And then I started seeing the reviews and it's like, ooh, this does not sound good at all. I saw the film. I'm like, ah, it had some fun moments and there's actually some parts I really liked about it. But overall, yeah, it didn't work. Right. Just thinking about the whole experience, it's like, this should not be a disappointment for anybody. (laughs) You know, you have this film should have made all the money in 2016. Like there should not have been that in rogue one should have been it. It's like, you could have released two films and that's the only two films that made money in 2016. They would have taken every dollar of the box office. That should have been the situation, but this movie was not great. Uh, But it was better than what I think people gave it credit for in my mind. So that was my, Disappointment, although it was like a weird disappointment because I actually liked the film better than most did. So. Right. All right. So, so, what was your? So, mine, mine's a combination of a bunch of things. You know, okay. a lot of people would say it was one of the worst films of last year. Uh, really got critically derided. I disagree with that. Um, am I? But at the same time, am I also disappointed with it? Yes, because I really like the director. Okay. Uh, Duncan Jones is Warcraft. Now, wow! Yep. So you saw Warcraft? I did. Okay. And tell me, is it a perfect movie? Absolutely not. Um, is it story-wise kind of a mess? Is some of the costumes look ridiculously bad, like if they're from the 1980s or a TV movie or something? Yes. Um, some of the acting's bad. Some of the acting's really good. Some of the dialogue's terrible. A lot of the dialogue's terrible. Mm-hmm. But what they're going for, and you could say, like, I mean. Again, Assassin's Creed, based off a video game, one of the worst things I've ever seen. Warcraft, I thought it was a bad idea to make a movie out of a video game. You know, I was like, why? Mm-hmm. You know, Duncan Jones, I was like, oh, well, I bet he can make it good. Then I saw the reviews mm-hmm. like, nope, guess that didn't work. But when I gave it a chance, 
Is it great? No, but it's not as bad as everybody says it is just because, which is unfortunate. I don't think this movie, maybe because it made so much money overseas, mm-hmm. maybe there will get to be a sequel, but I doubt Duncan Jones would bother mm-hmm. doing it because mm-hmm. um, he's making Mute, which I've talked about in the news yeah. section, which I'm glad he is. I think it'll be awesome. But him trying to, I think what he suffered from was trying to make this or the studios made him or whatever, make this a launching pad type movie. Mm-hmm. Cause obviously by the way it ends, they want this to be a franchise starting yeah. movie. So being saddled with that from the get go, I think was one of the problems. Well, it's and like, it was it's, just so unwielding, such a big budget thing. And Duncan Jones, I believe is very talented, but I just don't think that's his, unwieldy big huge budget Mm. movie i don't think that's really his strength you know he's more of an independent densely plotted like more emotional movies but all that being said i felt like i could tell his touch in this movie because the way the movie opens you see that this is going to be kind of a prequel of how this got started you know and you're thinking i don't care how humans and orcs started fighting Mm. who gives a crap yeah but by the end of the movie when the human and orcs have turned against each other you see that basically the way things have happened is it's kind of a tragedy, kind of like a Romeo and Juliet type thing without Mm -hmm. spoiling anything. Um, It's just a very interesting path to see like what happens and you see the tragedy of like, yeah, I guess that's how it has to end to save face with these sides and maybe eventually down the road things can turn out okay. Mm -hmm. But right now, which sets up the sequel, which will maybe never happen, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be good and that's what will give us a whole nother second movie. So it's, there's more on it than I think people would think. Yeah. Um, so hmm. I, I don't know. It was so it's a combination of not as bad as everybody else said, still a disappointment. But yeah. I don't. I don't know. There's there's something there. Interesting. So. I you know I probably will not get around to seeing it. <laughs> I've got a, a much longer wait list of films to watch right sure. now. But I was always really curious about it. So you're saying it's it's better than maybe you're being led to believe from the outside world. Right. But you're still saying it's a, not a good movie. Well, and I think not a great the movie. problem became too was, which is what I assumed before, before I saw it. The only people that would give this movie the time of day were people who played the stupid game. Mm-hmm. Sorry, if you like the game, it's not stupid to me. It's stupid. I, I used to play the game. <laughs> but, I, don't, I don't think it's stupid. So the only people who would think the movie was worthwhile were people that played the game. Yeah. So I didn't want to give it the time of day. Then the reviews came out, and of course, critics hated it because they didn't yeah. play the game. But all the people who liked it were like, oh, this is such a great movie. I hope there are a million sequels. And it's like, yeah, but that's because you really like the game. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe there was, I think there probably was, some unnecessary fan service to get that kind of... But putting all that aside, I still don't think it's as bad as everybody else says. Okay, fair so. enough. I, I do have... I did have a second disappointment, and yeah. I'll just kind of throw it out there. It's just a real quick one, but... It kind of goes along with Batman Superman in that I thought it was better than what the rest of the world said about it. Hmm. But it still ultimately was a disappointment from what it should have been. Oh. And that's the Ghostbusters redo. Um, I found enough in it to keep myself slightly entertained. But it's a Ghostbusters movie. I should not be slightly entertained. I, I should be having a good time with it. I think that's it. where you and I split. Yeah, you and I. No, I know you didn't like it at no, all. No, I, I really, and I wanted to because of yeah. all the backlash and all the people being unfair to the movie before it even came out about yeah. how horrible it was going to be. But yeah. I, I, I'm I calling like it a disappointment because you got some incredibly talented women. Oh, yeah. With a great premise. The Ghostbusters premise is always a fun premise you could play with. And they just, Speaking. they played it way too safe. 
Speaking and on that. And it just was not as fun as it should have been. Speaking on that, mm-hmm. um, I remember at the time one of the things that I thought, I, one of the things I really didn't like was uh, McKinnon. What's her first mm-hmm. name? Kate McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Really didn't like her. Thought she distracted yeah. from the movie. Didn't work for me at all. I blame that on the director mm-hmm. and I blame that on the script now because I've seen Kate McKinnon do other things. I finally caught up with some of the stuff she did on Saturday night yeah. live. And I think she's a genius. Yes. So the fact Thank that you. you could waste that and I didn't yeah. at the time I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah. whatever. I like, mm-hmm. just tell you, you know, no, I think that they didn't take what she was doing and either put more of her doing that type of stuff in the movie and let her have more free reign. And yeah. maybe that would have made it better or, that was my whole thing. They just, they played it too safe. Yeah. They they tried to stay too much to the same formula as the original movie. They tried to keep too much of the elements the same, uh, and they just they should have been more adventurous. I wanted a completely different type of movie, but keeping it in that same idea of people coming together and getting rid of ghosts. You know, right. that's a broad category that you could play inside of, and they <laughs> kept it way too safe. Sure. Now again, if you go back and listen, I gave it a passably a positive review simply because if I said, if you forgot about there ever being films called ghostbusters and you watch this movie to me, it was, it was okay. It was slight, like I said, slightly entertaining, <laughs> but if you watch it, knowing what ghostbusters was back in the eighties, yeah, this is a huge disappointment. So right. anyway, that's my, my two disappointments are not films. I think are horrible films. It's just, I liked them better than the general public, but both of them should have been a lot better. Batman vs. Superman and Ghostbusters, my two big blockbusters, should have been blockbuster movies. So so that's our year-end wrap-up. That's it. And that's our end of our show for the most part. Again, if you want to hear us talk about Split, as we're going to talk about the ending, we're going to spoil it, we're going to dissect it and everything, we're going to do that after we close up the show. But if you have not seen the movie yet and you don't like to be spoiled then uh, we're just about done. You can turn off here in just a moment. (laughs) Uh, But as a reminder, what we did is we did review the film Jackie and we reviewed the film Split, both of us having positive opinions of both movies, both of us really, really liking Jackie a lot, both of us also liking Split, although we seem to have a differing opinion about a certain element of it that we'll talk about in a moment. We went through our best of 2016. We talked about some news items, the uh, potential remake of Dune, and also the... uh, I, I guess remake English remake of Tony Erdman as well. So uh, talking all about remakes during our news section. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Chris, if people want to get a hold of us, talk to us, give us any feedback on anything they heard, uh, how would you recommend they do so? Probably the best way is to jot us down an email at info at the mesh TV and just put foot candle films in the subject line. So they'll funnel it our way. Tell us what you liked, didn't like about the show. You can also help us out, reach more, not viewers, but listeners, by leaving us a positive rating in iTunes. Just give us a star rating, write up a quick little review. That always helps because it floats us to the top. That way more people see us, more people listen to us, and uh, that's that's great. Also, we did I did give a passing reference to it. Alan and I both have accounts on Letterboxd, and that's without the final E. So it's B-X-D or B-O-X-D there, letter B-O-X-D dot com. They are a good way to keep track of movies, and that helped me do my year-end list this year. Um, so uh, you can catch up on the movies Alan and I are watching on Letterboxd, another way to kind of keep track of what we're doing there. Awesome. Yeah, and yeah, I am logging everything on Letterboxd. I don't always write stuff, hardly at all. 
I should. <laughs> I just, at least I put on there with the films I see and sure. keep track of that. So absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show then. Again, thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe to us at TheMesh.TV. And when we come back uh, next time, we'll have some more reviews, movie news. And as typically, we will do our recommendation of a film we think you ought to be checking out that you can find online. So until then, uh, take care. And we look forward to speaking to you next time we record. See you in the ticket line or in the spoiler section. Ah, yes. Watch films in the company of like-minded people in the dark. Watch films in the underground. We won't let anyone know where you are. The films that don't make it to Carmike at the mall. Or ones that were famous when Grandpa would watch Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. So here we are with the spoiler yep. of Split. And just because you know, people are listening to us, let's just explain what happens. Sure. And then we can talk about it. Do you want to? Okay. So go. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the final 10 minutes. Um. So basically, uh, our our main character, who is the man with suffering from the uh, the multiple personality disorder, right? He uh, McAvoy. Mac- James McAvoy. They bring forth the twenty fourth personality, personality, which right. is the Beast. Yes, the Beast is a animal. He is a uh, he is a creature. He is a um, evil spirit. I mean, however you want to play it, he's basically he's with, basically just a personality of James McAvoy on steroids. Yeah. It's like he's got an adrenaline rush. Right. So the whole premise is, is that, and they make this kind of point several times in the film that they feel like that people who suffer from this disorder can have different physical attributes to right. them by personality as well. Like right. for example, one of the personalities needs insulin shots. Because one they of, could be a diabetic and the next right. person, the next personality is the next a person needs glasses because sure. they have bad eyesight. So that kind of is a heightened version of where you go with the beast, where the idea is that it's almost like he goes through some form of a physical transformation. Veins are a lot more evident on his on his body. He can climb walls. He seems like he's taller, although I don't know if that really held up or not. Yeah, yeah he was know. climbing walls again, and you don't know if it's he's climbing because he's just really, really, really agile now. Which you've or seen because, people that can climb yeah. walls just because they can fit their fingers in the Or because he's somehow now have abilities, right. which... I think that's where the film wants us to believe because he takes two shotguns to the chest and he's still alive. Just two? Maybe three. I mean, she 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 shoots him several times. Yeah. Uh, I only noticed two times where he's truly in front of her and I know he had to have gotten hit. Right. Yeah, the other times I was assuming maybe. Yeah, I don't know if he yeah, was okay. just in the background or whatever. But he's getting shot by a shotgun and not, nothing's, happening. nothing's happening to him. Right. 
So it has now crossed into the line of it, it's not just he can make himself look a little different. He has now truly become a supervillain. Okay. All right. Now that's the end of the – okay, that's, that's close basically to the end of the movie. The movie ends with him escaping, the main girl getting rescued. Uh, he does not harm her because he realizes okay. – Go ahead. Okay, so – yeah. Pause before. Let's call the very ending of the movie, the last scene of the movie. Let's call that the footnote. Yeah. Or yeah. the or the P.S. Yeah. Okay. Right. So we're not going to talk about the P.S. yet because if I'm understanding the way you were thinking correctly, the P.S. helped you accept the ending of the movie a yes. little better. Yeah. Okay. Now, my stance is it totally not ruined the movie, but I wanted to to borrow Adam Kempinar, who's a host of another excellent podcast called Film Spotting. His comment on Letterboxd, I wanted to punch him Night Shyamalan in the face. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. Now, here's why. Without getting to the PS yet, okay. I liked that the end of this movie, I liked what was revealed, and I can spoil it now. Anna Taylor-Joy, the girl in the movie, that was kind of a downside. The fact that she was famous to me, I knew the other two girls that were kidnapped were kind of going to kind of be unimportant and fall by the wayside because it's like oh clearly we know it's going to be a setup between james mcavoy and this girl because the other two girls are nobodies and we know they're not going to matter kind of disappointing that i kind of knew that because i knew Mm -hmm. who she was but whatever it's not it's my fault because i watched too many movies but the thing that i liked and the thing that i appreciated before the ps came along is that they dropped little clues that something was up with this girl and she was different from the other two girls yes what was different about her? Well, you kind of get a thing. She says at one point when McAvoy's dragging away one of the girls, pee on yourself. Okay. Why would you say that? That's because she thinks that girl's about to get raped. And you do that so that you are unattractive to the rape, the raper because you've just urinated oh, on yourself. Wow. I didn't yeah. pick up on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, so there's all these little things. And that, that was a comment early on in the movie. Very early on. Hmm. Um, when the girls are just first abducted. There's little things like that. At the end of the movie, what happens? You say that, you know, they have a conversation, the villain runs off, and the girl escapes, and she's okay, and he goes off, and he's okay. But what, you know, in any other movie, there would have been this final thing where she would have killed him with a shotgun, yeah. and that would have been the end of the movie. I liked that, no, that's not how, and that's actually what makes me, if people would give patience, I don't think it makes light of mental illness, because he recognizes in her, she is a victim of sexual abuse right she has been abused and you get that throughout the movie but then at the end you really see it where she's got these marks all over her she's basically with her uncle who sexually abuses her he is about to kill her because he's advanced after being shot with a shotgun how many times and he sees that on her and it breaks through all those multiple personalities and gets him at some core level that no you are different meaning you're different like me i think i'm different i think i'm wrong but you are you've had something really bad happen. He, he connected to her. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he's like, whoa. And that rocks his world. And he walks off. And I really, li- I really, I really like that. I didn't need it to, I accepted because then it took this route of being, for lack of a better term, supernatural or kind mm-hmm. of weird that because it was like this, they kept building up the beast and whatever. And it was like, Okay, it's a it's a horror slash thriller movie. Fine, didn't didn't bother me. It was going a little overboard because mm-hmm. it could have been a perfect movie without that. But the resolution between those two characters at the end of the movie made it for me. And even to the point where he goes away, 
he's talking to himself in the mirror and you're like, well, I wonder what's going to become of him until they ruin it with the PS part. Um, that's interesting. And the way they leave it with the girl is she's in a police car and, you know, this police officer comes up and is like, hey, you know, is everything okay? And she kind of gives her this look like, and they don't let her say like, no, I was, and they're like, you know, we'll call your uncle or whatever, or something like that. So it's like, she doesn't say, no, don't call my uncle. I was abused. He's horrible. Like, but they just kind of let her have a look and the police officer kind of leans in a little bit like, wait, something else is going on here. And they don't bother explaining. Yeah. They just. No, I like that. They just I thought that be. was really good. Now. Let's get to the PS. Well, can I can I counter with this just for a second on that part? Absolutely. Before we get to the PS. Before we get to the PS. Okay. Um, so because we don't want to spoil the PS. No, no, no we're I'm doing not. spoilers. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's there's multiple layers of spoiling yeah. here. I I my issue with the last the the the, the, the section you just described. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not ready, and I did not feel like the film had positioned itself to let the beast be a truly supernatural character. I would have been so happy if it had been a matter of, yes, he became the beast. And by the beast, he is a little stronger. See, he's stronger. He's more feral, you know, like a, like an animal, which he kind of, he kind of was, he, you know, took off his shirt and he's kind of like, you know, just, I'm just, he's just all animal, raw animal. That part I'm okay. He's climbing the walls. He's pulling across metal. He's pulling metal bars apart. He's getting shot by a shotgun. I'm just like, Okay. So you've now crossed into this is now supernatural, which the film had nothing at all that led me ever to want to believe or want there to be any super supernatural elements with the film. See, and I felt like it didn't have that effect on me because I'm the one who even said the word supernatural, but it didn't have that effect on me because the psychologist had laid the groundwork of the whole insulin thing. Yeah, but and I, so to I, me, I've heard cases where. People, when they are hopped up on drugs, you can shoot them three times in the chest and they're like, give it because they've got adrenaline running in their bodies. They are capable of climbing walls. They are capable of running through a plate glass window and not stopping, even though they've got glass sticking out of it. Because of, so to me, they'd kind of set up something has happened with this guy. He is a different personality and he's got like, you know, steroid rage or roid rage and he's just like going nuts and you know, basically like if she would have been able to somehow remain safe for an hour, he couldn't have kept up that personality and he would have killed over and he would have died because once that personality slipped, yeah. so mm. it, I was more, I was more forgiving of it because I felt like they'd kind of, well, and again, I'm forgiving of the, he's a little stronger, he's faster, he's all that. I, all that was kind of good with it. It was just when he got to the climbing the walls and being shot by shotgun in the chest with no, no impact. I'm like, okay, yeah. So M Knight, you have now. We are now in supernatural, uh, comic booky almost care, uh, territory a little bit. So let's just run into the PS. Okay. So Bring this is on. where you and I are different. Bring it on. on. All right. I mean, so we're the, differing, but now we're going. So the PS it. is, you know, he has escaped. She's gone on her story, which I agree. I like the way her story ended. With and too bad we her. didn't end the movie right there. Uh, too bad. I disagree. So the last scene, although the last scene, the coda, the the PS or whatever, was clumsily oh written. Oh my god! No, no, just hold on. Clumsily written. I will give you that. <sighs> but the end result of what was portrayed there, I think, was awesome. So we have a scene in a diner. There is a TV going up on the corner, talking about the news report about these three women had been abducted, and of course one of them survived, and they're now the they've lost the guy who was responsible, and it's this guy, and he worked at the zoo, blah, blah, blah. The news report said that 
he actually had multiple personality disorder mm-hmm. and that this is where I do have an issue with the writing. The news report said he has gone by the name The Horde, which, yes, The Horde they is what the he, they, they do refer to themselves on that. How in the world this news report would know that, I'm not quite sure, unless the girl told them that. Because but the psychologist knew that, she but was she's dead. dead. She was dead. So. so I thought that was a little cheesy, corny, the way it was all re- overwritten there. And then. Then the corny part. The punch your face moment. The writing moment was, <laughs> there are two women sitting in the, in the diner, and they're listening to the news, and one of them says to the other, wasn't that just like a case years ago where there was a guy in a wheelchair, and they had a name, Mr. Glass, for him? I agree. The writing on that was horrible. Okay. That was like not the way to share this information. Mr. Glass is the character that uh, Samuel L. Jackson played in Unbreakable. Unbreakable. He was the quote villain of that movie. You found out the end who had plotted all of these uh, accidents and things to happen because he's trying to find his adversary. He's trying to find his, his nemesis, which was David Dunn, who is played by Bruce Willis. The two women get up and walk away, and there's Bruce Willis sitting there as David Dunn and says his name was Mr. Glass, and the movie ends. All right, so I will give you that, I will give you that it was clumsily <laughs> written and done. Totally get that. The two girls just happened to say, wasn't that just like this one case all those years ago, which Good nobody gosh. would say that. Nobody Terrible. would say that. I totally get it. I Terrible. get it. I understand your, your concerns with it. I'm saying, though, the concept of what's being portrayed got me so happy because when I realized that basically this movie. Yeah, you and I totally disagree. This, this. movie is a sequel to Unbreakable, <laughs> and I could not be happier for that. That made me slightly giddy at that point because I loved Unbreakable. And it, you know, does it make you slightly giddy, but you realize it's going to be garbage? No, 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 no. This could actually be good. No, this it's going to be garbage. Oh, no. It's going to be garbage. No, Unbreakable garbage. was such a good movie. And now Split I, I is a good not, movie. I do not disagree that Unbreakable was good. Well, how but the you? problem is he's not willing to. Here's the thing. The movie could have ended. Okay, granted. Even if it would have been better written. I would have much preferred him to come out. He'd already spoken before this movie came out a long time ago. I think that he was considering a sequel yeah. to unbreakable mm-hmm. and you know, this movie comes out, comes and goes. What would have been awesome is if you start your sequel to unbreakable. In other words, the next movie that's coming after split and you somehow see the horde in there and you're like, what? And then you realize that movie tied into this movie instead of shoving it in your face like you're a stupid idiot and you can't figure it out and you want to be sure you get the hype up before the next movie comes out. It's, it dude, it it's got me, it, terrible. It's, no. Terrible. It, it was a horrible. It's like what you were saying about not, tru- not trusting people to yeah. figure things out and how like things were explained <sighs> in Split itself but and it's the like how thirty second scene. I don't, oh. I don't see this patronizing. It was like, hey, by the way, that's that's in my show on not being able to have this, a thing without a twist. That's what I was saying. It was a twist, but not a twist because it was dumb. That was his twist. I will say it's like, this. hey guys, guess what? This is a sequel. <laughs> if I was a filmmaker Man, and I made these films, I totally would have put a scene like that at the end of the film. <sighs> Because it's awesome. It's cool. It's But I'll admit, it's a clumsy scene. And I wish it had been redone a different way to give us this information. But see, the thing is, the whole idea with, with the David Dunn character from Unbreakable is that that was a superhero origin. Right. But a very grounded, different. realistic. Right. I mean, it basically. Like Christopher Nolan type. Yeah, he's strong and basically can't be hurt, really. 
but yet he's never like portrayed as like this big Hercules guy, right. like throwing stuff around in CGI or whatever. I mean, it's just he just happens to be really, really, really strong. And here in Split, we've got McAvoy's character, who, for the majority of the film, a very normal guy with this multiple personal disorder. I mean, he just has a mental disorder. The Beast elevates him now to a supernatural type character. Right. So again, just like Unbreakable, you had a normal type of uh, more grounded situation and then it gets elevated to a higher degree. So that coda, that PS scene, despite how clumsy it was, <laughs> made me realize, okay, I'm actually better now with the fact that McAvoy turned into this more superhuman character because I totally get what they're doing. This was the origin of a villain that we just saw for two hours. Mm. And now, yes, it is part of this shared universe, and I'm totally cool with that. I, I, I didn't see it as patronizing or anything. I thought it was a great, great revelation. I just wish the scene had been better handled that, that gave that revelation. Yeah. I liked it. I just wish they would have kept the scene for the beginning of the next movie. But yeah. Did, I, I to refresh my a, memory, at the end of Unbreakable, is Glass, he's still around. He gets arrested. Oh, he does get arrested. He gets arrested. Okay. I mean, basically, and that's the one thing so many people were disappointed with the end of Unbreakable. It had a twist, but then it ended so abruptly. And it had like and, text on yeah, the screen. Yeah, just stuff text too. on the screen. Yeah. There was no fight. There was no big showdown. It was like mm. David just basically walks into Mr. Glass's comic book shop. And while sitting there talking to him, realizes Mr. Glass lays it all out for him and says, this is what I've been doing right. to try to find you. I did all these things. I crashed these trains. I did all this. He's like, I finally found you. And David, shocked, walks out of the comic book shop. And then you see text on the screen. It's like he got apprehended. He got arrested, whatever. And that's it. So that was the end of the movie, which I know. I remember, I remember sitting with some friends of mine at the movie. And they're just like, what? That was the end of it? And I'm like, no, it was awesome. Because... That, if it was a typical big dumb comic book movie, there would have been a big fight and it would have mm-hmm. been this big showdown. No, these are two human beings that just are playing the archetypes of a hero and a villain. And they realize that now who each other are and they're splitting ways because the police can take care of Sam Jackson and David Dunn doesn't really want to be a hero full time. So he's out. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I love the fact that they're setting this up. I love the fact that it's like, okay, here's a guy that we know can be a hero. And he sees that there is now somebody out there who has some heightened abilities, just like he does, who's done some really, really bad things that that's awesome. It's awesome. So the scene was poorly written, okay, but I love the intent of what he put together. I love the intent of it. I love what he's showing us. Um, It made me like the last 20 minutes of the movie a lot better. See, it makes me fear the next movie so much. Where after the visit, after the visit, I was like, you know, he's coming back. I can't wait to see what he does next. Split, I was like, you know, this movie is good. I think he is on his way back. And then that freaking PS moment, I'm like, dude. We won't know, but we won't know until the movie comes out. We won't. But I will tell you, I am super excited about the idea of a Bruce Willis. Finally, Bruce Willis doing something I'm interested in again as an actor. If he has better dialogue written. Well, better than that last scene, sure. <laughs> if it's Bruce Willis playing that same character, and we got James McAvoy playing his 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 character, and the two of them are matching wits, or that will be a great could be a great film. 
Here's my concern with it. It could be. Here's my concern. I will say there is a big concern about this film, this this magical film we're now talking about that hasn't even been announced. I don't even know if they've even started working on it. It's just, it's out there. And Split has made it. It's made a, a lot, lot of, money. of money. It's so, they'd be crazy not to make in this all film. Likelihood. Now. They'll be crazy not to make this film. Here's my concern is I don't want a film where McAvoy is basically the beast the whole time. That has no interest to me whatsoever. You've got to play off I, the strengths. I don't think I don't think it But then be. how they gotta make it interesting where his personalities and his the range he showed acting in this film is somehow carried over to this other film. It won't be I doubt, who knows how it'll be. I doubt it'll be as impressive. But Maybe not the second time that. around, but yeah. I, I, want, I just want to make sure the film is still just as as high-minded and emotional as Unbreakable was. Sure. Because Unbreakable was not an action movie. Right. There was like hardly any action in it at all. Right. It was all a family. It was all very interpersonal story. It was a slow movie. Yeah. If they can keep that same tone and marry that with the great the stuff we like from Split, then we've got an awesome movie. If he goes off and makes a true superhero movie of David's now this superhuman strong guy and uh, McAvoy is this crazy kind of out there wild animal character and they're fighting for an hour and a half. No, I'm not interested See, in that. And that's the, that's where we differ. Prior to the PS, I was thinking his next movie would be like that. Post the PS is when you feel like you are hopeful that he has. So I, I, I just, yeah. <laughs> I, there one again, of us will be right one of us will be wrong right. and, I, and I hope yeah. because I always hope the best I wanted to see him mm-hmm. like come back I hope that you're right and I'm wrong all I know is I, 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 you know, I think we both have a pit in our stomach but I'm weighing more towards the negative side I've got a pit in my stomach but I'm more po- I'm positive yeah. on it mm-hmm. I will just say this I've, I ragged on the Shyamalan back when The Village came out because I you and saw, I both saw the trailer and guessed I saw, what the deal was. I, we knew what that yep. what the what the trick was going to be, and I'm like, I'm getting so tired of this guy playing the trick card. Like every mm-hmm. movie has to have a trick. And see, that's what I liked about this one is it didn't well, have see, a trick. I didn't know until the PS, which I thought was I, a trick. I thought the trick was the whole he sees that she's been a, a scarred individual, and that made him stop. I thought that was going to be the twist. I'm like, eh. All right, fine. You know, I'm glad they didn't go with this whole big weird twist thing. Right. I honestly thought they were going to pull an angle where she also had multiple dis- uh, personality disorder. Uh, because the psychiatrist made a comment early in the film when she was given that sp- uh, Skype lecture about how she's like, oh, there was a young girl that I had uh, working with who could write with both hands at the same time, different personalities right. and all that. And I'm just like, Oh no. Well, and they're she, totally setting this up with the, with the flashbacks. Like yeah. they're going to say that she got molested and that calls an emotional scar for her. When she says that, and you see that McAvoy, his mom beat him with a clothes hanger or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's what started his. Splinter. I totally thought, Oh yeah. my gosh, that's going to be the twist. Is they're going to look at each other at the very end. And all of a sudden she's going to slip into you another see, character again, before the like, PS. You know, that is what's awesome is it didn't go that route. It just said, no, I'm, harmed i'm an abuse victim you're an abuse victim but you're a crazy like yeah. and you let me go like it's yeah no yeah, I, I, don't know. I really was afraid that's what they were going to do with the film the fact that he's been talking about wanting to do an unbreakable uh, sequel for so long but unbreakable didn't make a lot of money right so i always just thought that you know nowadays no Shyamalan will not be able to make a sequel to any of his older films because nobody will give him the money to do it um and to get bruce willis in the film or any of that but now that he 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 surprised me with that that PS scene, and I was very happy with it. 
the last thing I'm going to say, mm-hmm. and then we can end this. Um, we hear a lot about reshoots these days. Um, conspiracy theory, paranoia theory, I'm going to throw out there. Mm-hmm. Completely unfounded. I'm making it up on the spot. Mm-hmm. He had that film in the can and basically done. <laughs> Saw, let people see it, studio heads or executives. They freaking loved it. So then he shot that PS scene because that was the way he was going to get to do an Unbreakable sequel. I, you know what? The more I think about it, the more I'm convinced. And that's why the writing was sloppy. And that's why, because he's like, oh, well, no, the he, writing was sloppy because the writing dialogue was sloppy in a lot of parts of the film. That's just Shyamalan. But I, I'm convinced yeah. that that was tacked on. It very well could be. And you know what? I don't fault the guy for him if he did that. He's always wanted to make a direct, uh, he wanted to make a trilogy off but of Unbreakable. But he still could have done it. Yeah, but, but it was cooler the way he did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I have no problems with films referencing other films and setting up other films and teasing other films. I mean, if you want to be a purist about it, the film technically ended with the word split up on the screen. Yeah, It's almost like that's just like the mid credit scene or like one of the Marvel movies. I don't consider those scenes part of the movie. I consider them like commercials for something coming up later. That's how I see this PS scene. It's like the movie ended with split. Boom. And then after that, they had the PS scene. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I see. Like, I see it's like tacking a commercial at the end of the movie, you know, for another movie that's going to be coming up later. That's how I see those credit scenes. But anytime you stop the movie and you tell me the movie's done, anything you show me after that point in the credits is like commercials, hmm. and it either gets me excited for something or it doesn't. So maybe that's why it doesn't bother me. As and my, and that's why I like it. Okay. Whether it was they showed us this scene now. Or they did this as a teaser trailer for this new film they're working on, and it comes out in a couple years. And we see the teaser trailer, and it's like, oh my gosh, they just put this film with this film together. Either way, I would have the same emotion. It's just when they decided to do it, they did it after this film. Whereas me, Choice B, saving that for like a teaser trailer would have made all the difference in the world. Okay. I, all right. Agree to disagree. <laughs> Agreed. I, at least I'm happy that we both liked the film. So that was really interesting. So, okay. cool. Okay, we're done. Out. Spoiler time is over.